Tuesdays, Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. Joining me this evening, as usual, it is Ian. And Gard. And Mark. Gardner Goldsmith sitting in the third man chair tonight. And uh, good to have you back, Gard. Great to be back, Ian. Thank you very much for the invite. Have you, uh, you quit, you didn't quit your job. You were removed from your former radio station you were working at under relatively good terms. Pretty decent terms. They needed to increase efficiency there. If you haven't been fired, you're not in radio. (laughs) Hell, I've been fired from this show before. We had you on from the Liberty Forum. You were uh, one of the other uh, speakers there, and I think you were kind of like the MC of the event. Yeah, I was always in the forums. Always in the forums. We had you there, and uh, and we had you on for about a half an hour at that point. But have you actually done a a, a full long-form show since you got off the air? Not with you guys. Not No, no no long-form show at all. No, not at all. So this Mm -hmm. is it. I've been doing stuff at home in my own studio, cutting some uh, some MP3s for the Liberty Conspiracy website. It's not the same no. when you know. It's not the same no when you way. don't have that open mic in no. front of you. No, and you know that your voice is uh, reverberating amongst various different car radios and that sort of thing around the country. It's exactly, just not the same. you're starting a spontaneous conversation, not only with the people in the room here in the in your studios, but the people tuning in on the radio and and on the internet as well. It's totally different, and it's great too because you know those people who are listening have their brains functioning and they're they're really moving. Yeah, well, we talked about that recently on the show, you know, the difference between uh, how active your brain is when you're listening to something versus watching. Yeah. Uh, for instance, on television, oh, it's yeah. like you're just mind-numbed yeah. in comparison to radio. Absolutely. They're much more... Uh, much more interesting to your brain oh, when yeah. you're listening. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, I've actually learned more from uh, listening to things. There's a whole series of tapes that were uh, created by a bunch of libertarians a number of years ago called Knowledge Products tapes. They're they're no longer being made, but you get them. You used to be able to get them through laissez-faire books. And mm-hmm. after I got out of school, I was badly injured. And I bought, started buying these tapes. They had Charlton Heston narrating the great philosophers. And they had mm-hmm. all these different things. And George H. Smith, who's a pretty famous libertarian historian, uh, he wrote a lot of the text for these things. And they are great. I'm starting to put them on CD and listen to them now. And th- I realize that's the best way for me to learn is to listen. Uh, even and when I read, I don't learn as well. Well, you know, it's useful. And, and people are different types of learners. You know, the kinetic learning, auditory, and I don't remember. What's it? Visual, I guess, is the other one. That yeah. makes um, sense. So that's probably a factor there as well. But also, listening is such a... Uh, such a valuable way to learn because oh, yeah. you can do it while you do other things. That's it. True, yeah. if you're really busy at other things, you may not listen as well. But nonetheless, you can always play somebody, it back. Right, True. and if you're somebody who's got a, uh, you've got a like a, a half an hour drive to work, or like you used to an hour and a half <sighs> drive or whatever. It was nightmare. Uh, I mean, that's just one way. Then you got another hour and a half on the way back. Yeah. If all you're doing is mind, you know, numbing your mind with music, uh, you know, the b- top forty station, you're not actually doing anything pr- as productive as you, you could be. You got it. Absolutely so right. So that's why a lot of people listen to Free Talk Live, or they'll listen to lectures, or whatever it is they can fill their their yeah. ears with at that yeah. time. Yeah, I was just in the car. I was just listening to. Tom DiLorenzo talking about his book, The Real Lincoln. And, uh, you know, I've heard that's excellent. Oh, he's awesome. I, I was uh, just reading his book, How Capitalism Saved America. And, uh, you know, it's just great to see somebody talking about, you know, Lincoln is not the paragon of virtue, as everybody says. Lincoln, who, you know, instituted a, a draft, an unconstitutional income tax, uh, was an incredible mercantilist and, and bought land and got the transcontinental railroad started in, uh, in Illinois at the land that he bought. Hmm. Coincidence? Gee, amazing. Can't imagine. <laughs> it's incredible. You know, they hung Lincoln here in Keene recently. 
Did you hear about that? No. Yeah. They, An uh, effigy of, yes, of they did. Honest Abe? Yeah. All uh, right. They did it right out of the, the, the central square, sort of the center of, of uh, downtown Keene. And they had apparently a number of people. We we were doing the show, so we couldn't show up for it. But uh, a number of people showed up, and they read him. Uh, they, they, I guess they read off a list of a number of the things you just mentioned, all yeah, the terrible yeah. things he did. And, yeah. and then they hung him. So, <laughs> so it's great. just awesome. Something that's going on here in the state. Oh, well, you know, thanks. we got we got to run to the phones. Yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me in. here, man. I appreciate uh, it. Tim in Illinois, you're on the line uh, with Ian Gardner, and roll up your window, please, Tim. Hello, oh, Tim. I'm sorry. Hey, you're on hey, the Tim. air. Hey, what's going on? I'd be lost without Free Talk Live. Oh, well, glad you're listening, man. What's on your mind tonight, sir? Um, well, uh, I'm just calling to uh, talk about our poor friend Don from Saturday night. Well, we need to recap on uh, on old Don, especially for Guard and all the other listeners that uh, that might not have tuned in for that episode. And Mark, me, I just say? barely remember. Yo, know, I was going to say, how would you describe old Don? <laughs> well, Don's Don's an old Korean War vet. He's uh, what early seventies, I'd say. Sixty-five, I think he said it. No, he was seventy-two, didn't he? Little little gruff. Seventy-two. Um, yeah. He. He he still he still of the opinion that uh, all the wars that America that the United States has fought in were all good wars because those yep. are the ones we fought in and all those young men who died in those wars are good Americans because they died in those wars right that sort of mythology for freedom that, and sort that kind of thing that sort mm. of common myth- mythology that if America's fighting in a war it must be for freedom of I mean, course because we're America right and everything we do is right absolutely that's this mentality this is the kind of guy we were dealing with so what did you have to ta- uh, what did you have to say about him Tim. Well, just uh, just his stance on uh, immigration, just in general. Gee, let really, me, let me just... guess. Let me guess, Tim. Does he want to have closed borders? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what a surprise! And uh, it, it was just it was just sad. I think uh, I think you guys should try and get him on once a week so we can all bash on him. I mean, uh, it was it was pretty good radio. Well, as you I'll continue, you'll that. notice, Tim. What happens is we get more callers like Don on our Saturday night show because we just have more radio stations that carry the show right, live at that yeah. time. So it's more likely that just random, average Joe American is going to tune into the show on that yeah. particular night. Yeah. Whereas during our weeknight show, we've got a heavier internet listenership, a heavier podcast listenership. We have a, a few radio stations on board, but nowhere near as many as our Saturday show. So, so the best way right. to get more callers like Don is to call your local radio station and ask them to put Free Talk Live on the air. Because yeah. the more stations uh, we have, the more great calls we'll get like that. And thank you for the call, Tim. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. And, of course, uh, we've got our man Hakeem Draper, the affiliate relations guy now for Free Talk Live, who's on the case. and he He's wants, doing the same thing. And he's calling radio stations mm-hmm. for the That's show. Great. So uh, if you want to go over and help us out with that, head over to local.freetalklive.com. It's a special area we've set up on our website for the specific purpose of getting you in touch with your local radio station program directors so you can talk to them and, and let them know how you feel about this. You program. know, Ian, I was, I was mentioning to Mark before we started the show, and I know I mentioned this to you, uh, after the uh, Liberty Forum and you guys broadcasting live, which, folks, if you didn't see what those guys set up, I mean, they go to such great lengths. They know their technology. They carry the components. They do these things. They get these things set up, and it works. And you, it's. I'm. I just have to reiterate as we begin the program here that I'm so impressed with what you guys have done in being able to create something with Free Talk Live that attracts people to go there and participate while the show's on, when the show's off, put their own opinions in there, get pictures posted. It's just. It's a terrific community, and I love it. You it's know, awesome. on that issue, I was talking with one of our program directors today, uh, Dave Evans, over at WVTS in Charleston, West Virginia. He yeah. carries the show six nights a week, 
but he carries only during the weekdays. He carries only our third hour, and it's delayed an hour. Yeah. But nonetheless, um, a major um, supporter of the show. Good. And he was talking about how his Don Imus contract was running out. He's got the Imus in the morning show oh, yeah. uh, at six a.m. And uh, you know, I think that Imus will actually die on the air. I don't know who's going to go first. Is it Imus or, or Larry Paul Harvey? King. Oh yeah, Paul Harvey, man, he's been around. God, you're right. I, you know, it's I enjoy Paul still Harvey's kicking. completely enjoy recorded though. He is not live. You oh yeah, think? true. Oh, I'm sure he's. not. Oh yeah, it's got to be recorded. Probably. Absolutely. I can never count on. It. Yeah. You know, and um, Paul Harvey is kind of advertorial. You could just splice him together for the rest of time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, true. You, you could. You know, it's it's essentially the same stuff. He'll be pushing that Bose Wave radio until, <laughs> until he keels over. You know, page three. Well, once his son gets old enough, he can probably do Dad's voice because they a, sound yeah, similar. The tenor is very similar, and I I enjoy listening to Paul Harvey sometimes because he'll have a story about something that's kind He's of. He's a great storyteller. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't be where he is today if he weren't great at what he. Uh, and you never find does. out the end until after the commercial. Right. You yeah, know? It's, it's a great. I, I'm not down in Paul. Not sure, down in you Paul. Got it. I'm Absolutely. down. I miss this. Exactly. Uh, but uh, anyway, I was talking with this program director about getting rid of. Uh, he was talking about how he's thinking about getting rid of Imus. Yeah. He would like to get rid of Imus because the contract's coming up at the end of the the end of the week. Mm. The way radio stations work is they sign an agreement that usually uh, means they have to keep a show on for X amount of months, and they you know have to give them 90 days out if they want to break their contract. We don't do that to our stations, but right. um, in this particular case, I said, you know, Imus is a fossil. That guy doesn't even have a website. Oh, no, you, really? You do a morning show in America on however many dozens or hundreds of stations, and you don't even have a website to draw your listeners to. Wow. Get with it. I mean, this is amazing. More <laughs> on the way. You can take control of the airways. That's like Larry King saying he's never used the Internet before, which he said recently. <laughs> More know. on the way. This is your show. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. <laughs> This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free, including archives, an entire year's worth of the show waiting for you right there, front page of the website. You just go and download them. They're free. FreeTalkLive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty, as well as hear and discuss the progress and future of the Free State Project. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. And uh, Gardner Goldsmith sitting in with us um, which is always, of course, nice to have you in here. But you're somebody who's kind of an old school pork fest guy. You've been to uh, more than one of them, correct? And, well, actually, I was to I was at the one year before last, but I didn't make the one last year. So oh, this one coming up, I got to make yeah, up for due. it because mm-hmm. I was really frustrated I didn't make it last year. I know uh, we're in talks with them about possibly doing a, another live broadcast oh, since yeah. we we broadcasted from the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. I don't know. I mean, we're going to be out in a campground, so it'll be a little more difficult. <laughs> but yeah. we'll see if we can pull that off. Man, that would be quite an achievement. It's a blast. I hope people. Will come. Yeah, I even really if even so. if it turns out for some reason that we can't do the show live, I I still want to go out there just oh, yeah. to experience uh, definitely what it's like. And essentially, it's it's like a big camp out for freedom oriented people. It is a camp out. Uh, p- people selling their wares, T-shirts, books, speakers. Uh, it's just it's totally great. And you're meeting people who may be coming up to this one of the freest states in the nation. Does anybody actually show up in a suit to Porkfest? Um, actually, sometimes people do. 
be a little unusual. They, yeah, they speak. The speakers show up. I suits. see. Yes. They speak, and then they go away. And then they go away. Do they quickly uh, change out of those suits? I can't imagine anybody staying any time. I mean, it, it's a... It, it, it's a fun the smart time, ones you know? do. The dumb ones stay in their suits, and they look yeah. really uncomfortable. What are so, you going to do? Speaking of speeches and uh, these sorts of events, of course, as you know, we uh, we all attended the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. I think you had the ability to go in and actually see John Stossel speak, right? Yeah, yeah. I got Man, it was great. We had Unlike to sit outside and do our show, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. That's right. Um, I can, yeah. But I have an article from John Stossel, as a matter of fact, and I think it's going to kick off sort of a, a bit of a theme tonight. That's so funny. It just as a coincidence, I just have to say, that's, I got one in front of me. Uh, that's amazing. Weird. <laughs> uh, and so I think it's going to kick off a bit of a theme tonight that has to do with this concept of security and the state, the idea, the idea that the state can keep you safe from terrorism, the idea that the state can keep you secure by asking you for your papers at all times. So I know, Guard, you've got a couple of issues here on this. I think, Mark, you might even have something mm-hmm. uh, to touch mm-hmm. on here. But first, we'll see what John has to say. Fear of terrorism overblown? Politicians and security analysts constantly remind us that a terrorist attack is just a matter of time. Clark Kent Irvin, former Inspector General of the Department of Homeland Security and author of Open Target, Where America is Vulnerable to Attack, says we must have tougher security at stadiums, shopping malls, and even schools. Oh, of course we must. He and says, we also have to watch out for really cheesy names that our parents might give to us, like Clark Kent. Can you, can you imagine getting shaken down by guards at a shopping mall? You just want to go in and buy a pair of shorts, and they're checking you out with a metal detector? I mean, this is this would be just totally psycho. You know, and that's it, I, I, it. Doesn't seem like it's that far off. No, it doesn't. It's just a matter of expanding the existing security apparatus that we have from the airports and expanding it out to wherever else they uh, they deem if appropriate. They, exactly. If they if they think that they can invade the purview of private societal domain in uh, in peaceful human commerce in the air, getting travel through the air just because the planes go from state to state. Well, then they can say, well, you know, the products that are going into the malls. They came in on a truck. They came in and they went over our interstate highways, and so therefore we have a purview here. We're so gonna... this so-called expert says, we can have deterrence measures like police patrols, greater use of bomb-detecting dogs and bomb sensors, other such technologies, random bag searches, which has been going on in New York City for well over a year yeah. in the subway. Yeah. He says, uh, he told me that, quote, if terrorists see that such measures are in place, they're less likely to strike. Stossel says this seemed illogical to me, and so I was delighted to discover the book Overblown, How Politicians in the Terrorism Industry Inflate National Security Threats and Why We Believe Them. Its author, Ohio State political science professor John Muller, points out the folly of arming shopping mall guards. He says a terrorist would say, well, if that mall has guards in it, or around it, rather, I'll go to the one that doesn't. If you protect one thing, you simply displace the terrorist's uh, to a uh, to a different threat. It's an exercise in futility. Mueller also says the threat to the average American is overblown. He says your chances of being killed at present rates by an international terrorist outside of a war zone is something like one in eighty thousand. It's about the same as being killed by an asteroid. Yeah, asteroid. But on September 11th, almost three thousand people died. More well, people. More people die from falling coconuts. Then, um, you know, <laughs> really, people do die every day, every year from falling coconuts. Mueller replies that 9-11 was not a typical terrorist attack. Terrorists were able to capture four planes and two huge buildings collapsed. 
He says it's a spectacular exception to what terrorists have been able to do. Sure enough, since 9-11, the biggest terrorist successes have been the bombings of commuter trains in Madrid and a nightclub in Bali. Mm -hmm. The death toll from each attack was about 200 people. Outside of war zones, the amount of destruction is maybe 200 people a year, says Mueller. That's 200 people too many, but it's hardly an uh, existential threat. In the United States, between 300 and 400 people die every year just from drowning in bathtubs. He says there is a terrorism industry. I call it the fear industrial complex made up of the media, the bureaucracy, business, and politicians. He says politicians notice that when they hype the terrorist threat, people respond favorably. Because for some reason, Americans still believe that despite failure after failure of government, whatever government program you want to look at, there are plenty of failures to be Mm -hmm. found. Despite failure after failure, they still believe for some reason that government is out there to protect them. And and they will be successful. And the more it fails, the more the bureaucrats can ask for more money because, oh, if they only had more money, they they could have done a better job. They're insufficiently funded, insufficiently funded. And, you know, this is interesting, Ian, because we were talking earlier about Abraham Lincoln and uh, in DiLorenzo's work on Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. and also in his, in his uh, latest, uh, latest uh, second, second to last book on uh, capitalism, uh, he, he describes how the, the mercantilist interests f- went all the way from Alexander Hamilton through Henry Clay through uh, into Abraham Lincoln, and he was really, uh, really tied in with certain special interests, and he would impose high tariffs on on foreign steel and all sorts of things, and the agricultural interests would would get upset. And this is a great example of it. It's mercantilism still in the United States. Certain interests get benefits because if you can gin up fear, well, then you have a whole network of people who will be able to make money out of providing the security apparatus to stop it. Now, mercantilism is essentially, what, government involvement uh, involvement in commerce? Yes, and and it's funny because a lot of my friends over in the U.K., they confuse capitalism with Mm -hmm. mercantilism. They they think that people who are capitalists are mercantilists. It's business and government, business taking advantage of government, government extorting uh, or or basically uh, providing avenues for business to be able to get special favors from government. It sounds so them, a little fascistic. Them being together. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very fascistic. It, it's it essentially. How does it differ from fascism? Um, there isn't much difference from fascism. The 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 application. Is it like the, the road towards fascism. Basically? Yeah, the application is for mercantilism. You'll see um, a lot of tariffs and things like that on products coming into the country. And so they restrict the consumer's ability to be able to buy. They don't necessarily put restrictions on the companies that are existing in one country. 800-259-9231. More with Stossel on the terrorism threat. Is it overblown? Has it been hyped a little bit too much? Yeah, pretty much. 800-259-9231. That and your calls about anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want toll-free, 800-259-9231 is the packet 8.net toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Gardner. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, including the wiki. We've got over 1,200 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to see what I mean by going to wiki.freetalklive.com. That's wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. 
SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for you and your customers. Treating them with respect, they know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI, check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. We're talking about uh, an article from John Stossel, actually, uh, pointing out that this whole fear of terrorism thing that Americans are obsessed with today, maybe it's just a little bit overblown. In fact, according to the author of Overblown, How Politicians and the Terrorism Industry Inflate National Security Threats and Why We Believe Them, uh, there's about a 1 in 80,000 chance that anyone in uh, internationally will die from terrorism. I'd say that number is even uh, even higher as far as... Uh, as far as the number, uh, the 80,000 number, it's a lower chance of dying if you're actually here in America. I, I would agree think with so. you, absolutely. You and, can't really combine those statistics, particularly if uh, you don't even know how they were reading some of those stats. Uh, you could right. look at terrorism in Iraq as being terrorism, and yet, you know, it's really a war zone down there. So what do you consider <laughs> war, war versus terror? Yeah. And now he's pointing out that... Uh, and it, what exactly is terror? Well, yeah. it's whatever the government says it yeah. is, apparently. And... I mean, there was a guy that was charged for shooting the uh, charged under the Patriot Act for shooting a laser up at a laser oh, pointer up at the that. helicopter a few yeah. years ago. He got terrorism charges for that. I mean, there have been kids that have been uh, brought up on terrorism charges or threatened at least to have been brought up on terrorism charges for for doing something at school uh, that was pr- fairly innocuous. Things that have been now, done in the past. Now, I got to tell you, Ian, I find that very suspicious because do kids really do anything in school anymore? Apparently, make terrorist terroristic threats. I yes, guess that's yes. all they do. Uh, but as he's pointing <laughs> out, um, there are certain there are certain people that benefit from all this terror scariness, mm. uh, including the media, the bureaucracy, certain businesses, and politicians. Of course, he says that politicians notice that when they hype the terrorist threat, people respond favorably. Then the bureaucracy hypes terrorism in order to justify its pork. Terror porn is what economist Veronica de Ruggi calls it. Why porn? Because porn sells, and terrorism sells even better. She says it's great for politicians. They can campaign on the fact that they're protecting us. They can also campaign on the fact that they're bringing more money to their states. Unfortunately, her wording's a little bit wrong. Uh, It's not a fact that they're protecting us. Yes. That's just what they campaign. The claim on. that they're protecting us. Right. They, exactly. th- that's what this allows them to do. Not only does the terrorism scare allow them to make that claim, but also any sort of pol- a political war. You know, the uh, Randall Bourne, I think, is the famous quote: "War is the health of the state." Yeah. Well, it's not just regular war, just conflict soldiers kind of war, but also the war on drugs is also the health of the health of the state. Yeah. This so-called war on terror is definitely the health of the state, as is the uh, the new war on immigration. All of these things you know, give po- uh, politicians the excuse to get behind a podium and say, "Elect me, and I'll change everything." So, you know, Ian, don't let me pull you away from that article too long, but I have to tell you, I'm working on uh, the last part of this book that I'm going to be publishing soon. And, and uh, the article on which I'm, about, which I'm writing right now is sort of uh, uh, an analysis of Lockean natural rights theory and the idea that the only legitimate government is that which is formed to protect us from encroachments on our rights by people who live inside the, that state mm-hmm. and people who live outside that state. Well, that's what... But um, fans of the small government concept subscribe to. Exactly. The problem, and and we'll get to this, this reflects one of the major problems with that. And I'll I'll address that first, I guess. I'll go in reverse order. Because what happens is you have a vested interest for the state to then promote threats, the Mm. ideas of threats. And you can never, as Murray Rothbard wrote, I think, in uh, For New Liberty, um, you know, you have no market mechanism feedback 
for people voluntarily giving their money up for protection. Right. Uh, to You're either protected to, or you get thrown in a jail Right. Cell. How much protection is enough? How much is not enough? You don't know unless you have a free market. And if even under under the Lockean government paradigm, the inefficiencies arise in the very rationale for what he says establishes a just government, an appropriate government. And I think it's a fascinating thing. The other the other thing about about Locke that I'll just mention real quick is uh, Locke says that you have to give up a portion of your property in order to protect your property. Hmm. And at one point he says it has to be your choice, and by your choice I mean the choice of the majority. Which of course is completely contradictory. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, right. But but this is a great example. You know, with Stossel's article there is terrific. What, what was that book you mentioned again? Uh, Overblown. Uh, Overblown. It's a long title. How politicians and the terrorism industry inflate national security threats and why we believe them. The author is John Mueller. M U E L L E R. Continuing with the uh, the story here. Hmm. Lots of small towns do get absurd grants for homeland security. Lake County, Tennessee, a rural county with only eight thousand people got nearly $200,000 in Homeland Security money. Lake County Mayor Macy Robertson told us, smiling, I don't know that the terrorists will come, but I don't know they won't come. (laughs) At least he didn't do what Columbus, Ohio did, spend it on bulletproof vests for police dogs. Irvin concedes that some security money is wasted, but still says we need to spend more. He says, quote, this is the guy who's agitating for, uh, for more security and that yeah. sort of thing. He says, it's very important to reassure the American people that our government is doing everything it can to protect them. If we do that, we'll have succeeded in denying terrorists a major victory. Okay. No, says Stossel, the opposite of, uh, is true. It's overreacting, uh, overreacting that would give them a victory. Of right, course, right. terrorism... I mean, really, if if what they say about the terrorists is true, and right. I don't know whether I believe all of it... That, that way uh, they want to destroy our way of life? Yeah, you know, the terrorists hate our freedoms. They hate Britney Spears. They hate Coca-Cola. They hate yeah. all our cars we're driving right. around. They hate everything about America. Right. They hate what our freedom has wrought us. I don't think that's true. I think that they, in fact, um, hate... You know, our uh, us, interventions, you know, right? And, yeah. Us going over there and, and you know getting involved in their politics and killing their people. Right. But if if what they say is true, they're winning because we waste time and therefore money on being shook down by the TSA agents and whatever Absolutely. other um, government uh, involvement is. So therefore, we're spent. We're getting less of our cokes and cars, and. We're losing little battles to them every yep. day. And they're also getting our freedoms. And that's if this is what our freedom the... has wrought us, then, you know, now they're looking at our emails. We're paying them to look right. at our that's emails. Right. That's why I say the government, the real terrorists. Anyway, yeah. Stossel yeah. points out, of course, terrorism is a real threat, but fear kills people, too. A University of Michigan study found that an additional 1,000 Americans died in car accidents in the three months after September 11th because they were afraid to fly. We need to keep risk in perspective. Quote, we have had dark moments in our history, far darker moments than those we face today, says the Rand Corporation's Brian Michael uh, Jenkins. After studying terrorism for 40 years, he likes to remind people, quote, we've come through wars, plagues, pandemics. The response to terrorism cannot be diving under the kitchen table and living in a state of fear. And that's exactly what the terrorists are attempting to create. But it's not the terrorists necessarily that are attempting to create that. It's the government. It's the it government is. taking away your freedom and doing it with your consent. Because if the American people would just simply say, no, we're not going to stand for this anymore, then all of their power would just go away. And they can do it because they can meet these politicians. They can see them on TV. They can go to places where the politicians are appearing. The politicians need people to support mm-hmm. them. The government And if people stand people. up, exactly. 
And the, the government is composed of the politicians and the bureaucrats that they appoint. That's correct. And they their their longevity only lasts as long as the American people are ignorant of economics and the concepts of individual liberty. Another way to put that would be job. that their uh, longevity only lasts as long as the uh, as the legitimacy of government. Because yeah. government crumbles as soon as the legitimacy is gone from uh, from government, it is it's almost destroyed in in, a, in an instant. Absolutely. And so that one of the things I'm trying to do with this show is help destroy that legitimacy. And you know, Ian, this uh, this uh, particular book, and and I also was was going to ask you if you could mention the name of that woman uh, uh, from the um, uh, from the institute that he that he mentions uh, at a certain point in his article. But that book, Overblown, is. A great example of a guy taking advantage of an opportunity. We used to get these press releases from senators' offices about how they give $43,000 to the Pittsfield Fire Department mm-hmm. for terrorism. It's like, Pittsfield? It's got like 3,000 people in it. It's just another money uh, dis- distribution scheme, distributing stolen funds. I'm glad somebody caught it. More on the way. Charles in Wisconsin wants to talk about a cannabis ban. This is your show. You can bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by voting for us. And it is a once-a-month sort of uh, thing that we ask you to do. You go to vote.freetalklive.com. takes you less than a minute's time. All you need is your email address. Very simple process. And it makes a difference because your votes help keep us in the top ten podcasts of the world. In fact, we've been at number one all month long. Right. It's the I 20, heard that. It's the 26th of the month, and we're still number one. It's good. We're only number one by four votes, though. And oh, that's man. how it's been. We have been in the lead wow. by less than ten votes for days. So it's it's like whenever that Potter kid, um, you know, the, the Harry Potter podcast mm-hmm. out there, whenever he gets some votes, we get some, and it gets, it's gotten as close as two. It really is. It's very, ne- it's neck and neck, and normally it's not even worth talking about voting at this time of the month, but n- we're still number one, and we want to finish out the month I at number one. I would continue it, man. It's, it's, that is such a great achievement. I love it. So being number one means that more people will notice the show right. and then listen to the show. Sure. And- they go to Podcast Alley, which is a major podcast spot. They look at the list of, hmm, which podcast Podcast should I listen oh, to? Look, there's thirty thousand of them, right? And right. The, all all different types, from um, you know gardening uh, to music to politics, every mm-hmm. every category. We're number one on of the whole list. So the first thing they see when they look at the list is Free Talk Live, and that really helps promote us. So we need you to go to vote.freetalklive.com, then send some instant messages out or some emails out to your friends and family members, and ask them to go to vote.freetalklive.com, as well as we go to the phones and to the fun. It's Charles in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live with the Guard and Mark. Hey, guys. Um, I wanted to give you guys an update about the uh, cannabis rally we just had this week again. Oh, okay. Last What's week. going on? What happened? Well, we got. I got down there today. Well, this afternoon I drew up about six times. I got down there. There was probably about like ten people out there. We reached our peak about twelve signs being broadcast. We took over the intersection, and there was about twenty-four people there to speak. Now, where is this happening? This is in Wisconsin. Where at? Stevens Point. Now, um, is this Stevens Point a, a relatively large area in Wisconsin, or what's the population? Um, that depends on whether or not school's in session. It usually loses about, decreases half its half in size. 
where would where would I know this in relation to Milwaukee? It's directly in central Wisconsin. It's probably about a good four and a half hours to the north. Right on. So how many people live there when school is in session? Ooh, I'm not really sure. I'm not even really sure how many people live here right now. But so it's uh, not a it's not a big city though. No, it's not a big city at all. No, Appleton, so, where I come from, is much bigger. So I think 12 people turning out for a uh, a protest like that, especially on a single issue, is uh, I think that's pretty good. I think that's a that's, yeah, that's a decent turnout. And you know, I think yeah. I think more and more people are starting to be able to network with each other, to use that term in, in sure. a, sort of a stupid way. But uh, you know, you're starting to get contacts, and I'm sure you guys. Uh, tuning into Free Talk Live or getting in touch with other people uh, over in Wisconsin, and you can start to really build a momentum that you couldn't do before, could before you? Before the Internet, you mean? Yeah. It's amazing. The, the Internet has revolutionized everything, I think. I'm, it's greater than TV. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah I, agree with, I agree with you. Yeah. Now, this is uh, you guys are supporting, is it a legislative effort in Wisconsin to uh, to go for medicinal marijuana? Is that what your issue is? Well, I think it sprang out of nowhere uh, about four weeks ago because uh, the cops around here just typed up their enforcement, and there was 62 busts since um, winter break ended in January. and It's Ew. just getting on people's nerves, and, I mean, a lot of people are supporting us. We're getting lots of honks and waves, smiles. Yeah. So, wait, is this is this not just for medical marijuana? This is for legalization, period? They want decriminalization. That's, that's their ideal, decriminalization in the city. Great. So what are some of the signs saying, then, that are getting the honks? Uh, so... So some of the ones I made were government owns your body. I have one that says freedom is a state of mind with a big weed pot leaf on it. Mm-hmm. College students, are they really that criminal? Do you guys get into uh, how much money is spent on the policing and how much money is taken uh, because of the fact that it's criminalized? Uh, how do you how do you promote this outside of the protests and, and, and get more people to go, to agree with you when you argue with them? Well... We really just started out just protesting. I mean, there's people I know tonight are going to be doing some guerrilla marketing. Uh, students for the sensible drug policy is getting organized. And I'd like to point out something. You use the term argue, Gardner. Yeah, and, uh, there's yeah a, argue. There's Persuade. There's an excellent book out there uh, by Michael Cloud, and it's called The Secrets of Libertarian Persuasion. Yeah. I'm actually in the middle of it right now, and uh, and I recommend this to any anybody um, that is a considers themselves a libertarian or liberty mindset. Um, it, it really outlines some excellent techniques, kind of like verbal jujitsu, essentially, uh, to use on your opponent, if mm, you will, mm. uh, in order to bring them into the fold without arguing with them, without essentially waiting your turn to jibber jabber at them, yeah, and then yeah. they isn't, wait their turn to isn't, yell uh, at you. Isn't Michael the one who came up with the great libertarian flame out when you have so much stuff stored up and you're ready to sort of blast them and Sounds you can like knock them out? You would say, yeah. But then you end up making them feel kind of dumb. Uh, I, I wish you luck in Wisconsin. That's so cool. We've got something big happening in New Hampshire here sure tomorrow. Do. Charles, thanks yeah, for the call. Appreciate sure. hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I've been calling people on that. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a medical marijuana issue, but nonetheless, I'll make the calls anyway. Mm. Um, and j- just real quick, back to uh, Michael Cloud. You yeah. can get this book at theadvocates.org. It's the Advocates for Self-Government. Great group. We've had them on the air with us before. Yeah. Uh, or We've had Sharon Harris from the Advocates. Yeah, and it's, it's actually based on an old audio tape set that he had back in the 1990s that I've listened to. And so he sort of took his concepts from the audio tapes and expanded on them a bit and, and made a book out of it. And it's just tremendous. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about... Um, uh, the the idea of making calls, as you say, and and here in New Hampshire, folks, uh, there there are different people in the uh, Free State Project movement 
Uh, people come up here, and some people just don't want to participate in the government process, and that's their prerogative, and that's sure. fine. Uh, sometimes they just want to protest, and that's cool. But I think something to seriously consider, if, if all you want to do is protest, is to ask yourself, well, first I should give the rationale why they don't want to get involved. In, in They don't want to vote because they don't want their vote to negate somebody else's vote. They don't want to force somebody else to conform to what they say. But I always say, hey, look, if you're voting in a negative to try to prevent people from getting messed around with, you're just trying to prevent somebody from getting harmed. So right. If you're not? voting for somebody who's going to represent the the freedoms uh, of the person against whom you would be voting. Exactly. Then... Exactly. It's like stepping in the way of somebody who's going to assault someone. You know, it's like, OK, I'll do that. But the other right. thing is that people who only want to protest and protesting is awesome. But they often – you have to think this through, and you say, okay, why are you protesting? And they say, well, I, I want to change this. I want to bring down this law, or I want to get this changed. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so what you're doing is you're, tr- you're basically asking people to do that which you will not do yourself, which is vote. Mm. So you are, in fact, trying to promote that which you don't like. It's interesting. And, and yeah. it, it, I think they need to really seriously, logically follow it through because if, if that were the case, they would, have to, they would not be able to, to protest either. I, I agree, and uh, I've looked at the arguments for not voting. We looked at them a while back on the show, and yeah. one of the other arguments is that you're just endorsing the system or you're endorsing the, yeah. the yeah. violence of the system and all yeah. that. Don't vote. But, it only encourages them. But the yeah. argument yeah. against that point is that, um, and I think Lysander Spooner outlines this fairly well. Awesome. He points out that it's, it's an anonymous ballot. It's a secret ballot. There's no way to prove that you actually even went in and voted. There's no way to prove that anybody <laughs> went in and There's voted. There's no way to prove that, uh, in general that they're yeah. even having a legitimate election. Right. There, <laughs> no, there isn't. There's not. So there's no harm, therefore, in participating in this silly little voting system, if there's even a chance that it could make a difference. And I think that what we're seeing happen here in New Hampshire with this whole Free State Project and Liberty Lovers moving in from all over the place, with the people with the different tactics, you've got your Russell Cannings, sure. you've got, uh, and then you've got the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, the totally political totally dudes, involved, yeah. and uh, I think they're all going to work together very well. It's not a, it doesn't right. bother me that Russell Canning doesn't want to vote. No. He is awesome at what he does, I and agree. that is he gets his message out there and, and attacks the issues that he wants to, and he he he's also awesome at getting other people excited about moving here. So yeah. the right. civil disobedience yeah. crowd has a, is really valuable uh, yes. to that end, I agree. really getting excited. It's hard for somebody who's in California or Arizona or something like that like that, you know, 2,000 miles away, to get excited about another bill that's been introduced in, yeah. in Congress. So I think that you're going to see the civil disobedience people bringing attention to certain issues. That you're going to see the, the political people kind of jumping on those issues and saying, hey, it's not nice to throw that man in jail for, you know, not having a driver's license or whatever. That's what recently happened yeah. to Russell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then passing a, a law or repealing a law in order to handle that situation. Yeah. And so yeah. I think you're going to see It'd be great that, if they could coordinate their efforts. It'd be fantastic. I don't know how cool coordinated necessarily uh, centralized it would be I don't but think, it would yeah. you know at this point we're talking fall about into place you're, you're yeah, talking spontaneously. about 190 movers um, for the free state project 450 um, in state uh, free staters because there were some mm-hmm. in New Hampshire from the, yeah. uh, from the beginning yeah. so you know at this it's working pretty well at this point and we're doing a pretty good job of holding off the encroachment of the government yeah. 
Um, and there's a lot more activity in this state than there ever is in any other states. Great. If, as soon as we double our numbers, well, heck, in less than two years, we should have a 1,000 people in the state. Active. Active people. And at that point, we'll just have so many, we don't need coordination. Yeah, you got it. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Hour number two is coming up. Also, Gardner has got an update since we were talking about this whole terrorism security thing. On the terrorism watch list. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The Packet 8.net toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free. Uh, those other radio talk show hosts, they would like to charge you to access their websites. We do it for free. Free Talk Live. Dot com. We started the show out by uh, talking about a John Stossel article pointing out that this whole terrorism scare thing, it, it's really actually way overblown. And there are certain people that you can blame for blowing it out of proportion. First off, the government. The bureaucrats and the politicians, they benefit by scaring the American people. Because then the American people, for some reason, believe the government's going to protect them. And the government puts on a real good show... They put on what they call, what I think Bruce Shire has dubbed, security theater, where, hey, there's guys in uniforms carrying, uh, you know, metal detectors. They've got guns. They must be keeping us safe when, in fact, any sort of uh, study that's been done by the TSA themselves or by, I think, the Government Accountable uh, Accounting Office has shown that there there are all kinds of holes in the in the system. And trying to plug the holes isn't going to do anything to make you more safe. It's just going to make it so new ones pop open somewhere else. It's sure yeah. possible. Yeah. It's yeah. terrorism. It's like crime. They're going to figure out new ways yep. to do something. Every time you you put your finger in a hole in the dike, then they're going to make a new hole. They're not going to go where your finger is. That doesn't make any sense. And if you if you think that you can secure everything, you're nuts. I mean, at, at some point, you're just going to have us all in padded cells and only be the imprisoned and the imprisoners and then the imprisoners. Right. Will be terrorizing hey, us, and that's not to say that people aren't going to be out to get other people. Sure, you know, I mean, we're, we're, a lot of people seem to think that libertarians have this blissfully rose-colored, utopia. yeah, utopian vision that if only the market operated, everybody would be nice to everybody else, no. and we understand. But the thing is that when people you allow the market, they would be. That's for sure. They would have to be. And uh, if if you allow the market to operate properly, you can provide the defense opportunities for people more efficiently without this sort of drag. And, you know, Ian, sure. you reminded me, uh, it was, what was it, just about four weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago, there was a report about how all of their claims about stopping certain types of, of terrorist activities were bogus. Most of them, yeah. I think yeah, so. and it, so it wasn't, it wasn't just that the, the, the claim of uh, terrorist threats are overblown, but their claims of victories yeah. are completely bogus. Why would anyone believe what the government says? I right. mean, these are the same. When, when you ask Americans, uh, well, what's happening when a politician's mouth is moving? Well, he's telling a lie. Or that, you know, that's a reverse uh, telling of an of a, you know, old, cliched joke at yeah. this point. But most people understand that. Most people understand. If you ask them if politicians lie, they will say yes. Why is it that when they invoke the specter of terrorism, mm-hmm. all of a sudden Americans just roll right over 
They're no longer critical. They're no longer questioning towards government. It's all terrorism. They wouldn't lie to us about that, would they? Yeah, you know, maybe part of it comes from the fact, just like when you have people who don't pay for their own health insurance, they don't pay for their own health care, they don't pay for their own food, they have no incentive to watch their pennies, to make sure that things are operating properly. And as we mentioned before, there's no feedback mechanism right. to provide the supplier of the service, in this case, defense service, to actually perform the way the consumer wants. There's no feed, there's virtually no feedback mechanism, and what does exist is almost completely useless, and yeah. that is the elections. So that's the oh, only yeah. time. That's it. Uh, we were talking about this earlier today, just um, Julia and I. We're pointing out how when it's election time, the politicians are shaking hands, they're kissing babies, they're easily accessible, they're taking phone calls, they're answering questions sometimes. Yeah. Um, but as soon as they get elected, what happened? They're gone. They're in their office. They're busy. The phone's busy. You've got to talk to one of the aides, leave a message. Uh, you know, the, the, the demeanor completely changes. Well, even if you got a chance to talk to the one, one of them um, on the campaign trail about an issue that was important to you, they would just give you lip service, yes. lie to you, and not do anything um, about what it is that you said that, you know, that you're talking to them about. Absolutely. So it, it doesn't make any difference anyway. They're all just in, uh, in pursuit of that, that power. And, you know, uh, uh, talking about that stuff, Stossel article, uh, which is just terrific. And folks, if you missed John Stossel at the uh, Free State uh, Free State Project Liberty mm-hmm. Forum, you missed a lot. Um, uh, one of the things that strikes me is that people don't look at police protection as a service. For some reason, they seem to think that the protection is it falls under some different category. That it's not. It, it's not a service that is a positive provision of something which could be provided by the market. They seem to think that all of these things that are protection things, well, um, that's the role of government, and, and we have to have that. Mm-hmm. And when you say, well, look, you know, we, we don't have the government getting us food because if we did, we'd have Soviet, Soviet yep. Union with only potatoes and vodka. You know, uh, it's it's the that's people, what we have with police. Exactly. They just don't realize that's it. We've got. Yeah, exactly. We've got potatoes and vodka police. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> It's true. Well, how about donuts and vodka? How All right, donuts that? and vodka. And you know, and and again, and, and and this can cause this can ruffle a lot of feathers. People say, "Oh, you're you're bad mouthing the police." No, what we're saying is that you can. There is a better way to do it, and it's more efficient. You know, here's the thing: is if you ask people. Um, it, it doesn't take too long for people to to, to come to the uh, conclusion that bureaucrats are inefficient. They don't care very much. Um, you know, anyone I, who's ever been to the DMV. I, I don't. Know. I don't know exactly. They're slow. I, I don't know all the uh, things that people think about uh, government workers, but they generally think that they're you know little bean counting, nitpicking. Well, except sl- for their mom, who might happen to work for the government. May, they may okay. very well. The rest oh, yes. of them. Are. Right, I, right. I feel that way. My wife used to work for the state. I didn't feel like she was that yeah. way. I had evidence in my mind to prove that she was a far better state employee, but she was still unincentivized, mm-hmm. um, they, it, it, be that as it may. Somehow people, especially Republicans, um, believe that if you give your bureaucrat a gun, you give them a firearm, and suddenly they're heroes. They're mm. efficient. They're Superman, as a matter of fact. Well, you know, a cop or somebody in the Army or any of those things, all, all you have to do is ask the cops. And if they're honest people, they'll tell you, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of inefficiency and yeah. you know a lot of bureaucratic tape and they it's hate difficult. Their administrators. It's they difficult hate to get anything done. And if 
if you come up with a good idea, you know, you'll, you'll just you might as well forget about it. So, you know, the cops realize the inefficiency and they know that the inefficiency, like any other state system, comes from the top on down and you're not going to get anything done. And, you're right. Um, that they're incentivized. So I don't understand why Americans, why Republicans, why conservatives idealize idolize these uh, th- these bureaucrats with guns. Well, it's an obsession for law. Is oh, yeah. what it is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at Alberto Gonzalez, and the situation with Alberto Gonzalez is a perfect example of somebody who gins up fear and then says, well, we have to continue breaking civil liberties, impringing on civil liberties, breaking the Constitution, even though he never admits that they're doing it. We have to continue doing what we've been doing, no, which has been that. proven to breach the Constitution, to have infringed on people's civil liberties because, well, you know, look at what we're, you know, we're we're in a war. Mm-hmm. Oh, really, Alberto? When did we actually declare war? I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys, but I, I called in a Sean Hannity show one time down in New York because Hannity ticked me off so much. He's he's there criticizing the Democrats because they were going to withhold funding mm-hmm. on Iraq. And he said, oh, you know, uh, those people are such hypocrites. You know, they, they send these guys down there and then they want to withhold funding. But they're they're Oh, they were going to vote for a non-binding resolution to do it. Okay. And he said, he said, oh, well, why don't they have a binding resolution? Put their money where their mouth is. This is a war we're talking about. And these guys voted for them to go in war. Now they're saying they don't want to fund it, but they're not going to withhold the money themselves. They're just going to say they, they want to do this. So I called him up and I said, look, you know, I understand you bringing up the hypocrisy of these guys. So, okay, that's fine. But, you know, they could have changed their minds, first of all. And second of all, we're not at war. And yep. this guy, this guy has the audacity we to say. We haven't been for decades. Yeah. He says to me, he goes, well, the Constitution doesn't spell out how you go to war. I'm like, <laughs> what? I was like, what? and he, he said goes, that to the wrong yeah. Guy. And he said to me, I was playing semantics. And I was like, man, you got right. no clue. A declaration it, of war is semantics. It's, it's manifest in the phrasing. Declare war. You you issue a declaration of war. That's it. You know, these Republicans that you're talking about, they suffer from the same malaise that many Democrats do in that they take the Constitution and then they want to interpret it. When the Democrats are in charge, then they're strict constitutionalists. Yeah. But when, they, uh, when they're in charge, it's the ends that justify the means. And it's anything goes, anything, any constitutional provision just gets thrown right out the window because it's a nation of laws, Gardner. And these people have such a... a to use a, I mean, there's no better term than hard on for uh, for for the law in America. Yeah. 800-259-9231. We can come back and discuss this more in your calls as well about anything that's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all of the features are completely free, including the updates. You get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. And you'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. And do you enjoy building things? Woodcraftplans.com has hundreds of blueprints for things like lawn chairs, rocking horses, yard shadows, fine furniture, and more. Step-by-step instructions and full-size patterns guide all skill levels. Woodcraftplans.com supports Free Talk Live. So please support Woodcraftplans.com. That's Woodcraftplans.com. Cool. 
So we're talking about this uh, general concept of terrorism and is it overblown and the power of the state. And we're sort of getting into that. We are getting into this discussion of Republicans and Democrats and how they're a lot more similar than many people think. Yeah. And uh, the, the Republicans, as you pointed out, Mark, seem to have this obsession with the idea that, okay, yeah, welfare is bad and everything, but uh, all the bureaucrats that have guns, the police and the military and uh, Department of Homeland Security, they're all good bureaucracies, and we need to keep them around. <laughs> and as I pointed out, it's sort of this obsession with law and order that these uh, these types of people have. Now, I know it's not all Republicans and it's not all Democrats. We're certainly just uh, generalizing here. Brush strokes here. Right. And and I, I and one of our uh, bulletin board members at the BBS, bbs.freetalklive.com, Evil Muppet, found a quote from Rudy Giuliani from 1994. And I think it's indicative of how these people think about the concept of freedom and how law is a, is a major factor in the idea of freedom. And here it is, quote from Rudy Giuliani. I can't wait. We look upon authority too often and focus over and over again for 30 or 40 or 50 years as if there's something wrong with authority. We see only the oppressive side of authority. Maybe it comes out of our history and our background. What we don't see is that freedom is not a concept in which people can do anything they want, be anything they can be. Freedom is about authority. Freedom is about the willingness of every single human being to cede to lawful authority Dear a God. great deal of discretion about what you do. <laughs> oh, man. That, is, that reminds me of a quote on a commercial that was released on Independence Day weekend last year by the quite threatened Republican incumbent for the 2nd District in New Hampshire, Charlie, now known as Charles Bass. <laughs> Charlie Bass, who said he would only run for three terms, no, was going for his seventh, I think. And on Independence Day weekend, he said, because being independent means working for the things that matter to all of us. Hmm. And like, I what? What? I, did you get that from Hegel? What, <laughs> what is that? Being independent means working for things that everybody wants? What that are you talking about? It's, it's totally contradictory. Gobbledygook. It, you know, it, it's just like 1984. Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, they, they he Freedom predicted it. It's about authority. authority. It's, Ju it's Julie speak. Right. It's Rudy speak. War is peace. Yeah. Right. Oh it's, my God! Can you believe this? You don't even have to comment on it. I mean, even right. even like a a sixth grader could listen to that, and you say, okay, parse, look at this sentence and pick it apart. Freedom is about authority. They'd be like, what? Well, there are a lot of kids that haven't been brainwashed far enough. If this yeah. guy got in front, uh, you know, Rudy apparently is going to be running for president, or already is, or whatever. Yeah. If he gets up in front of a group of uh, Republicans at his next speaking engagement and says that quote, wow, I guarantee you, those people would, yeah. <laughs> Rudy, you're the man. Well, yeah, he... <laughs> voting for you. Authority. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me wonder if they would just uh, cheer at anything he said. Yes, I think they would. Maybe not. Cases. I mean, I don't know. There's, There's got to be something he could say to drop the ball. I don't know what. Yes, he could. Let's go well, to the yeah. phones and yeah. talk to uh, David in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live, listening on KGEZ. Hello, David. Death to the king. Long live free talk. I heard that. <laughs> What's on your mind, sir? Hey, uh... You were talking about declaring war. I think once you're a union uh, member of the uh, United Nations, yeah. you give up the right to declare war. you got to get a resolution from the U.N. And hmm. we didn't, but we went ahead anyway. But 
we held uh, the food for oil over the UN's head, I think, because nobody really got in trouble, and that story went away. And yeah, because yeah. Of, Coffee and Nan and all his sons are all and his son Scrappy doing on, <laughs> and uh, so that's why we got to get to go to war, and now we have to conduct it according to UN rules of how you conduct war. That's why the problem in Vietnam happened. That's why the problem in Korea happened. Well, I don't know if that's fair to say. I, I don't know if that's fair to say. I think the problems happen because war is violence and force, and Not force really, never and force if, never works out the way you intend it to. You can go over with all the, the grand chain, plans you want. Well, I'll be... I'll be the chains off of our fighting men, this thing would have been over a long time ago. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I'll be I'll be an arbiter between between both ideas in a way, and I'm sure Ian is already seeing my perspective anyway, and you probably are too. Um, you know, I I agree with you. I think that uh, we give too much great deference to the United Nations uh, when the United States' autonomy and authority to be able to do what is constitutionally provided to declare war it should be the only thing we consider. And uh, and that's if one wants to buy into the legitimacy of the U.S. Constitution and say, okay, look, at least we'll operate under this fashion. I myself well, I think, think that the Constitution didn't go far enough in providing protections for our, our individual liberty, and I think the market could have done so. But I know exactly what you mean. It, it hampers I, the United States' efforts to, to be victorious. I think that all that happened just the way it was did. It was rehearsed just so we could be there to set up the... Asia Minor Union, because that's the last union that really has to be formed. There's the North American Union, the Europe Union, the Asian Union. So you're looking at this as more of like a New World Order type of uh, agenda? And and the only union that's not being, that's not formed yet, or we're watching it, it's happening in front of our eyes, is the installation of the the Asia Minor. Remember? Is there somebody proposing an Asia Union? I don't think that's being proposed. Oh, there is, yeah. There, that's is that- why North Korea kind of like, if you notice, the ones that aren't uh, going along with the program, they don't have their own little central banks like Iran, North Korea, the Vene- you know, the Venezuela dude wants to use his own money, Bolivia. See, these are the the ones that aren't into the little into the whole big monetary uh, international monetary okay. scene. And and the only union that's not formed or in there's no South American that, union that, either. Huh? There's no South American union, to my knowledge. Well, yes, there is. Venezuela isn't the only the only one that's really in Bolivia. Yeah, but if you look at Venezuela, uh, Chavez Capital. just nationalized everything in Venezuela, including the banking industry well, and broadcasting industry. And in Iran, they should, just decided not to take the U.S. dollar; they're taking the euro. Um, right. So and and that was a national choice. So uh, the the idea that the, I understand what you're saying, but uh, I I don't think that just because these countries aren't buying into the multilateralism that George Bush has bought into or the EU has bought into makes them any more noble or that they're going to be protecting oh, no, us. They have their own. That. It's yeah. just that they want these people to go along with the program and and they need a, a reason to go into Iran. David, know, thanks for the call. We appreciate it as always. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. More on this uh, freedom is about authority thing. I'm not quite done with that. We'll come back with more on that. 800-259-9231. The obsession that some people have for the law. I've experienced some of it recently here, making calls on this marijuana issue. We'll talk about that and your calls as well. This is Free Talk Live. 
Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Gardner. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free, and that does include live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you totally free. Free Talk Live. Dot com. Plus, you need to know that the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you're going to be able to attend leadership and activist training seminars and talk with New Hampshire natives and those who have made the move, as well as hear and discuss the progress and the future of the Free State Project. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. We'll talk more about law and order here in a moment, but I want to go to the phones to the fun. Let's talk to Lawrence in Mississippi. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Guard and Mark. Oh, hey, I'm on the radio. You are, Lawrence. What's hey. on your mind? Oh, hi there. Uh, yeah, you're on the radio. Hi, you better get it out. What's on your mind? Yeah, well, a while back, one of my friends was let down by the health care system of these great 50 states Yeah, America. how's that? Well, he was diagnosed with a really bad form of leukemia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, How was he let down? There, well, there's a waiting list for the surgery that they were just trying out. I forgot what it was called, mm-hmm. but uh, he wasn't able to get one because he he has, like, three kids. Well, he had three kids, but he's dead now. But He had three kids, and they put this rich billionaire. Well, he wasn't really a billionaire. He was one of a millionaire, but he was a wealthy man, and they put him in front of the waiting list for this new experimental procedure, and he got better. Well, let's ask you this. Who is uh, who is they? What system did this? Uh, it was this clinic. Uh, it's the, uh, I forgot the name of it. Uh, no, the, Peterman. Well, let's, 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 let's move a little more deeply into this. Um, was your friend paying for his own health care? And uh, he was somehow uh, defrauded nah, by this he, organization, he was on, or was uh, it a government health care program? It, it was a government health care program. Yeah, it I sounds see. about sounds about typical. I mean, government makes the rules, and so if you don't, you know, fall within their uh, their set of, uh, of of rules, then you could possibly die, especially when it comes to the health care situation. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Lawrence. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. You know, there's tra- tragic story after tragic story uh, that have come out of government he- government-run healthcare systems around the world, and uh, we went we went into great detail on it on the uh, the Saturday. Yeah. Now, now there's something interesting that someone uh, listening might say. Now, wait a minute, hold on, you guys. Um, if if it was a private system and the rich guy had all this money, he could still pay. And he could pay the private system, and he would get service better and faster than the guy who couldn't pay. And to the to which I would say, of course, maybe, he should. Maybe, but uh, uh, but there are avenues that would allow this other guy to get health care as well. Yes, or at, there would be avenues. Those exactly. avenues have been drying up exactly. and uh, and just going away over the past several decades. Some of those avenues might be organizations like the Shriners yeah. or other uh, civic pride sort of groups like right. that, well, mutual as they, benefit societies. As they suck off more and more of Americans, um, you know, 
uh, expen- you know, income as much as they can possibly get this discretionary income that they have um, to the point that you know you're just left basically paying for the the stuff in your life, then. You know, obviously, uh, these mutual aid societies are going to go away. You got it. And people, people feel like, why in the heck should I give extra money to the Shriners when, well, gosh darn I'm, it, they take half my money yeah, for the old people anyway. percent taken from me. And, you know, there are two things about this, the ethics and the practicality of this. Ethically, what you're talking about is you've got the idea that if someone earned money, he should be able to engage in a private, mutually consenting arrangement to be able to get services the way he wants to, and someone should not be able to step in and say, no, that's not right. Secondly, if you allow people to do that, then, as Adam Smith said in 1776, as if by an invisible hand, people begin to have expendable income, and then they can provide services more efficiently, which allows even poorer people to get better coverage. And, Ian, I just have to bring up that the piece by John Stossel I had in front of me was about the Democrats trying to push for bulk purchasing arrangements for prescription drugs. Okay. And uh, what they're looking at now that they have this uh, prescription drug health care plan for for people, they want to use the government to begin negotiating prices, which is exactly what we thought. And you know where that goes. It means you're going to get price controls. And he brings up this. He says, government monopolies like the Veterans Administration never embrace innovation in the same way the private market does. And sure enough, the Veterans Administration now rations drugs. If you are a VA patient and you need a new and expensive drug, you can't get it. Sally right. Pipes, president of the Pacific Research Institute and author of Miracle, Miracle Cure, uh, How to Solve America's Healthcare Crisis and Why Canada Isn't the Answer, writes, quote, only 19% of drugs approved by the FDA since 2000 are listed on the VA formulary, and only 38% of drugs approved in the 1990s are listed. Only the best for our veterans. Incredible. So, so in other words, the veterans only can get the oldest drugs out there. Yeah, absolutely. Right, much, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, that goes, and this, Stossel wrote this, I'm sure, as uh, in, in part, in a response to what ABC News did a few weeks before the election. ABC News ran an entire week-long series of reports on America's health care crisis. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill Weir was one of the reporters. He's one of their weekend anchors on Good Morning America this weekend. And he did all these reports over and over again. And they did a poll. It was ABC News, the Kaiser Foundation, and like USA Today. They did this poll. And they, they actually had a poll that said 89% of those people polled think that their health care is okay. And Bill Weir has the audacity to say... And this kind of attitudes makes it very difficult to get done the things that need to get done to fix oh, our health care system. Then they finally go to Dr. Timothy Johnson from Boston, originally from WCVB, who's now their medical advisor. He's been that, that way for like 20-some years. And he, he was a local guy, pretty well-known around here. Mm-hmm. And, and they go to him after all these reports. There's Charlie Gibson talking to him. He says, so what do we need? Do we need a one-buyer system? Do we need the government to get involved? And he goes... Yes, that's exactly what what we need. So they had day after day of reports, and finally they get John Stossel to be able to give about a three-minute rebuttal in one segment all week. So this is, in a way, this is Stossel replying, and I hope people pick it up. It's uh, it's carried in human events, and you know Stossel's at least his voice is out there. Thank God, at least. Let's go to the phones, Mark in Sin City. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gard and Mark. Hello. Hey, hey, how are you guys doing? Great. Great. I'm a disabled veteran myself. And, uh, yeah, I think it's more than just uh, the fact that uh, they ration things. Anytime you have uh, government control of something, 
the nature of it uh, completely changes because no longer are they dependent upon having to satisfy consumer demands to sustain themselves. So the, the whole orientation of the program is less centered around satisfying the consumer than satisfying uh, certain policy initiatives. And you also end up with, uh, I think, a, a culture of, of uh, uh, misfeasance that you otherwise do not have uh, in the uh, the private sector sure. as well. Uh, and, there's and no accountability. There's uh, there's no incentive to I, do I anything. I mean, I just right. look at, at the attitude uh, of the, the employees at the VA versus, say, at a, uh, at, a, at a private facility. And when you have that bad attitude, it doesn't matter how much money they throw into the program. And, of course, uh, that bad attitude, the, the bad service is a corollary of it being a government program. Yeah, it's true. We might have different levels of care in the free market, just like, uh, you know, I don't have a Lamborghini, you know, but mm. at least I have a car that runs with the government system. We're all going to, you know, get uh, basically, you know, I think Murray Rothbard, he referred to this as uh, health care uh, conscription, uh, you know, health care draftees, and, and uh, no longer are they dependent upon having to ensure that the, the customer leaves satisfied. Well, what was the car that, they, uh, that, the, that uh, the Soviet Union came out with? Didn't the they? Volga. The Volga? Oh yeah, no, not the, the Yugo, Volga. The, the Volga. Yeah, like the Yugo actually runs, but yeah. the Volga. Well, it was. It was another the, story. No, I think the Yugo. Yeah, yeah. The Volga was the one that all the apparatchiks got, mm-hmm. and then the Yugo was the one really? that, that the regular people could buy. Oh, I didn't yeah. know. It was just it was whatever it was. It was absolute, just abject crap. And that's what healthcare will turn into that's when uh, when the government gets in in total control. Mark, did you have any uh, further points yeah, for us? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to, uh, I guess, punctuate this by by saying. I, I gotta be honest. I'm not a huge John Stossel fan because he kind of turns everything into so the, the 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 simple problem is you know the FDA isn't approving enough drugs. When in fact, if you look at the the system in abstract, you'll find that uh, really we we already have a very socialized system already. It's true. It's true. Although so to be fair to defects. John, he does a lot of really good work and uh, and he's one of the lone voices in television. Thanks for the call, Mark. More on the way. Your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The pack at 8.net toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features completely free. That We do ask you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, as over 360 of our listeners have decided to do. You just go to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll learn about the program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is simple. Uh, the it's it's that you send us three bucks a month. Remember, we're not charging you for the website features like those other radio talk shows. So you get all that for free. So this is above and beyond all that. It's completely voluntary. You send in that three bucks a month. We take it in and we turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live. We buy industry advertising to get more radio stations on board. We go to industry conventions. We just hired an affiliate relations yeah. guy. I mean, there's a variety of different areas that we spend the money, and it's all outlined at amp.freetalklive.com. Plus, you'll learn about some of the perks you get access to. Sometimes our amplifiers will get to sort of beta test for us. We'll come out with a new feature, or there'll be a new feature we're working on, and you guys will get, the amplifiers will get access to it several weeks, or in in some cases a few months beforehand. And that was the case with the uh, Free Talk Live webcam. Uh, When we reached $2,500 a month coming in on the AMP program, we launched our Free Talk Live webcam, the studio camp, and we launched it publicly. But it was online and working several weeks before that. It's just only the amplifiers had access yeah, to it. That's a great perk. That's right. Nice. And uh, another one of the perks is, for instance, with the webcam, there's a little chat room that comes along with it. You can only get in the chat room 
if you're a Free Talk Live amplifier. So Neat. head over to cam.freetalklive.com to see what the uh, studio cam is all about. That's cam.freetalklive.com. And to become a Free Talk Live amplifier, head over to amp.freetalklive.com as we go to the phones to Jeff in Oregon. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gardner and Mark. Hi, I have a heartwarming story of fee for medical fee for care medical service. Okay. This was uh, back in the early 90s. I had strep throat. And I don't know if you've ever had strep throat, but it's really miserable. Yeah. You can't even swallow. You end up spitting into a pan. Your Ooh. throat is so sore. So um, this was Christmas time. I was a graduate student, so I could have gone to the health clinic when uh, school was in session. But since we were on Christmas break, I had no medical coverage. So I was just driving along looking for uh, one of these fee-for-service places, and there was a strip mall. And there was, I walked in, and they gave me a form to fill out. It took me about two minutes. It was one page long. It just asked me some you know, basic questions about my health history. A mm-hmm. uh, doctor um, saw me right away. He asked me a few questions, looked at my throat, said, yep, looks like you got strep throat. He took a culture, wrote me a script for antibiotics, and told him I could get it. Told me I could get it filled right next door at the Rite Aid. Wow! And then he called early the next morning to confirm that the culture was positive. But of course, by this time, my strep throat was already on the way out huh. because I'd already been able to start the antibiotics. And of Sweet. course, you paid out of pocket while you were there. A hundred bucks. Awesome. That's Is that a hundred bucks to see the doctor and then uh, whatever for the uh, antibiotics? Yeah, 20 or 30 bucks, something like that. You know, my experience has been, um, and, and usually it's uh, 70 to $100 to go see a doctor in, in those sort of circumstances. I haven't been too many times in my life, but that's kind of how it's been. But they generally have some medications in the office, and they can give you samplers. Mm-hmm. And it's always been my experience. They just give me enough samples that the scripts don't matter. You're done, yeah. You know, it it is great to to remember that story, too, because yeah, I think a lot of times when people try to think, oh, what would happen if the government weren't there, they don't go that extra step to say, you know, the efficiencies that would be created in the marketplace, the incentives for greater efficiency for doctors, providers, drug drug manufacturers, and all sorts of folks who are involved in the lattice of, of, uh, of services involved in medical care, uh, would work to try to become more and more efficient, which would then sure. make it easier and easier. I mean, shoot, if, if more you efficiency can have, means lower prices too. You got it. If you can have indigent people, people considered below the poverty line today, owning three television sets in their home and a VCR and a stereo and a car, mm-hmm. then certainly because because of course the prices have dropped and dropped and dropped for all of those things because of their productivity then certainly you could get those types of of incentivized incentivized uh, production uh, drops, uh, increases in production and increases in productivity in medical care. Yeah. Jeff, any final thoughts for us? Yeah, and when I was covered under my parents' um, Kaiser plan, they're paying about twice that for me every month to be covered on their plan. Just for the And this plan. is the first time I'd been, you know, I was a young, healthy guy in my 20s, and I, you know, I, that was the only time I'd, I'd been to the doctor in two or three years. Right. Well, you know, you know what's interesting? While you're, while you're here, I just want to mention, um, one of the things we were talking about earlier was, was uh, mercantilism and, and uh, you know, whether that's fascistic and things like that. And in many ways, uh, mercantilists uh, do get fascistic controls against their competitors inside countries as well. And a great example is what has been happening in the United States and in various uh, states around the country when they impose these regulations, these fascistic regulations on insurance companies, forcing them to have to accept people who have pre-existing conditions, which has nothing to do with insurance in any way whatsoever. It's the state telling someone how he has to do business. Right. 
Yeah. In fact, I called up, and Jeff, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I called up, uh, I forget which insurance company it was recently, but they essentially said, uh, our insurance is available, in their little recording, our insurance is available in uh, 49 of the 50 states, except Massachusetts. <laughs> and so what's happening is... They're uh, pulling out. Right, after, the, the after more laws they Romney's, create, yeah. they just say, screw you, we're out of here. Yeah, and, and you know, it's amazing. Uh, just to give you an example, we had this governor, Jean Shaheen, who was a Democrat. Her husband... In New Hampshire. Yeah, her husband, they're very closely tied with the Clintons. And at the time she was running for office, she was a teacher, uh, she had been in the state Senate, and she had proposed a bill that would have forced the insurance companies in the state to give insurance to people who were already sick. And that is not insurance. Because insurance has to be based on risk statistics. You have to, if you pose a, if I'm a skydiving junkie spy, I should be paying more for my health insurance than a guy who's raising daisies. You know, this goes back to what we touched on before with the idea of the mutual aid societies, the Shriners, these other groups that Uh, many of them have disappeared. That's why they formed. Right, because they couldn't get, these guys couldn't get insurance, so here are the people that care from the community getting together on a voluntary basis and helping those who are already sick. Yeah, it and, worked and actually, before, and it, and it's great too because it, it, when you look at those types of things, just a little bit, a little bit, a little step further is the issuance of insurance based on people voluntarily joining these types of organizations, which you can look at as pro- professional for-profit types of philanthropic organizations. I don't want to use the the terms too, together too much, but the, you know the insurance companies they have to be able to make a profit, otherwise they're going to go. And and people look at them as like, well, you know, they should be providing their product because people have a right to health care. Uh, no, what are you right. talking it's, about? Right, it's so terrible. The big insurance companies make so much money. Well, they employ so many people. Right, I mean, and they when have you think stockholders. About, when you think about State Farm or some company like that, not only do they have a central office in, I don't know, someplace in the middle of the United States, let's say St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, not only do they have a uh, central office in St. Louis, but they probably have branch offices in several major cities around the United States. And and then they also have all the little offices that serve everybody. There's two in this town of 25,000 people well, that I live in here. You're right. overlooking the major point. Please make a bunch of profit because then finally, if disaster strikes, you've got enough <laughs> money in the bank to where you can pay out on your policies. Well, that's like, did you guys hear about what Trent Lott did? Trent Lott, uh, with State Farm Insurance, actually, this guy, it's unbelievable. My friend Bruce, who works for a reinsurance company, emails me, sends me an article that was uh, apparently in the uh, Wall Street Journal about how Trent Lott threatened State Farm Insurance because he has a house down in New Orleans that got wiped out. Mm. He did not get flood insurance. Mm-hmm. He Poor had baby. He, yeah, he had like tornado insurance right, he had wind. through State Farm, but he didn't get flood insurance. This was a huge got, issue during the uh, Katrina, uh, yeah, Katrina thing. Yeah. yeah, he got he he knew he could get federal flood insurance. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he got like $300,000 of federal flood insurance. And he didn't get the private insurance with State Farm, but he got wind insurance. Mm-hmm. And then he called and threatened. And the guy, the the man he called, actually brought this up, and he swears that this happened. He threatened this guy. He says, "You don't know what's going to come down on you if you don't cover me. You should Typical. pay." I mean, just it, another it's government thought. Lot. What a jerk. We're going to the phones to Craig in Houston. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gard and Mark. Hello, Craig. Hi. How's it going, guys? Great. Great. What's on your mind, Craig? Um, I want to make a comment about hospitals and charity. Uh, back in 1982, I used to work at the Methodist Hospital here in Houston, mm. and uh, that was, this was before government um, 
demanded that hospitals take care of anybody who, who came in. Okay. But Beth's Hospital was always a charitable. I used to work in the collections department, and people would come in with all kinds of problems, and they would run up tens and tens of thousands of dollars of health care charges. And all we did in the collections department uh, was we tried to work out a schedule with them. Right, make a payment uh, on, plan. On pennies on the dollar. I mean, That's they were great. extremely charitable. Uh, to uh, numerous people who couldn't afford to pay. So in I fact, um, you probably had a charity wing at the hospital, right? I, I the whole charity, the whole hospital was a nonprofit organization. It was dedicated to uh, doing started, what it could. Started by by a religious group or a church, right? I'm sure. You let the th- we're losing your cell phone, but thank you for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You let the market operate, yeah. and guess what? People take care of people because hey, people care. And if you, if you don't, the poor can't afford the higher expenses because of the government intervention. Hour number three is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Still want to talk about authority and uh, some of the security and terrorism oh, yeah. stuff in your calls as well. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Gardner. And Mark. You can, of course, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site completely free. Enjoy those. They're on us. That's freetalklive.com. I uh, still want to talk about terrorism and authority and all that. The calls are rolling in, and this is the show about your calls. So we go to the phones. And first, talk to Kurt in Michigan on the amplifier line. Kurt, you're on Free Talk Live. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Great, Great what's Kurt. on your mind? Good. Um, well, I, um, I was just listening to the podcast when you were discussing the property values in Detroit and how, for how low those houses sold. Yeah, it was and bad. That, that, uh, th- on Saturday, we are talking about uh, houses selling for $30,000 in Detroit as, as there's this apparently this mass exodus, some of them selling for even less than that. Uh, like uh, the shack sold for uh, thirteen hundred dollars. Uh, a four-bedroom house sold for in the the teens. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. What did you have to say about it? Well, see, that comes as no surprise to those of us who live in metropolitan metropolitan Detroit, as I do. Um, and we we used to share a very dubious distinction with with Atlanta, who's turned it around. And well, we can give New Orleans a pass because of what happened there, but. We are now the only metropolitan area in the country, the only major metropolitan area where, and it's always been this way for my whole life, and I'm 42, where as you get closer to downtown, the property becomes worth less. <laughs> and, and, I mean, although it mitigates what you said, it opens up a whole new line of questioning as to why. Yes, I was going to say, to what do you attribute this? Well, poor leadership. I mean, we've only, I mean, we've had, we've had, well, I, I think the, the, the current mayor of Detroit is, is a, I don't have much respect for him. Um, we had, we had a, a, a gentleman whose name is Dennis Archer, who is now the, the uh, 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 chair of the American Bar Association, or the president of the American Bar Association, that I thought was a wonderful mayor. Yeah. But I guess he wasn't black enough for the city of Detroit. And, I mean, they, they, they have to start putting good people in. That's so, just well, the one criterion. Yeah. 
well, you know, you can say good people putting putting good people in government is going to make a difference, and it really, I mean, it really doesn't make a huge difference because they're still trapped in this bureaucracy. They're trapped in all these rules. What you need to do, if anything, is put people who are going to walk in there. They've signed an agreement that says they are not going to increase the size of government. They're not going to shift around the existing size of government. They're going to get in there and slice and dice and cut government programs out. I mean, anybody else... You know, it's not going to be a big difference. There, there's another factor, though. Um, when it, it the automakers are what made Detroit what it was, and they enjoy, and the American automaking um, automaking companies enjoyed a great. Oh, yeah great benefit in the uh, 70s from tariffs and in, even in mercantilism the 80s. right there it, yeah mercantilism yeah. essentially and they weren't making that great of a product uh, you know back at the, at those times they've gotten better american cars are pretty darn good and i think that they're I, I think that they're on the i personally believe they're on the level of uh japanese cars some people would not agree with me i, I know ian really likes those uh hondas and toyotas and i generally drive hondas i'm not a car guy it's just that uh i just haven't been impressed by it right I, I, but at the same time um you know the american car companies are coming coming back but you know now detroit's already taken the hit so it's government again that destroyed um detroit but in this case it was the federal government kurt any final thoughts well, um, yeah, I just uh, sent in another AMP check, and I, I want uh, everybody who's listening who does AMP to send in another one or up their AMP. And uh, if you don't AMP, at least give the three a month. It's worth it. That's awesome. That is a, that is an AMP, three a month. And thank you for the call, Kurt. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. And that's all it takes is, uh, is three bucks a month. And it's totally voluntary, as we talked about last hour. But let's continue. With the calls, amplifier line again, and Liam's gone from Indianapolis. Right. You know, I was thinking about Kurt's call and and uh, and that idea of uh, leadership, and 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 you know, you make a great point, Ian. Occasionally, you can get somebody in there who can try to hold things back or reverse things slightly, and you'll get uh, a minor renaissance of a place for a little while uh, because they might have reduced taxes, they might have uh, made things a little bit more efficient, they might have sold off some businesses. You look at New Zealand, and uh, New Zealand did a great job for a while and they were able to sort of uh, bring in more businesses by reducing taxes they, they changed their welfare programs their social security programs privatization things like that Chile did the same thing after Milton Friedman visited so um, uh, you say to yourself okay uh, or was it Argentina yeah um, so you say okay that'll that'll last for a little while it was Chile unfortunately yeah it was Chile uh, unfortunately uh, people forget and they don't learn the lessons. They don't learn the lessons of, hey, you know, reduce the tax burden on people, privatize things, let people make their own decisions, don't have so many leaders, and maybe people will be able to handle their own lives. Yeah, I think in those cases, you're dealing with more of uh, like an executive decision that somebody made the right choice at the top, Just, yeah. but it wasn't necessarily... Or they made some right choices at the top. It wasn't necessarily a groundswell of the population demanding this. This is just something that some people happen to get in charge. They happen to know Milton Friedman or whatever. They brought them in, and some so some positive changes were made. But if that population is still languishing in their ignorance, it's inevitably going to turn right back around. It's and tough. The, the power the power mongers are going to step in once and again. The, and then you know the nature of government, especially given our media saturated world, the nature of government is to focus attention on itself, as we were talking earlier with the security thing. 
Uh, always find that which allows you to receive praise. Always find that which draws attention to your good work in government. I mean, they have PR machines, too. They just use our tax money to promote themselves rather than people buying their product voluntarily. And it's really it's too bad because people start to look at it as if, well, if government hasn't even recognized something as a problem, well, I guess it's not a problem. Let's go back to, since you brought up the, the security issue, let's jump back into it here. Uh, we started the show by talking about this whole terrorism idea, and of course that gives government an excuse to institute all these security protocols and new bureaucracies and reorganizations and the Department of Homeland Security and blah blah blah. Yeah. Well, Gardner, I believe yeah. you have a story tonight about the terrorism <laughs> watch list. Oh, uh, yeah. This the is idea the... that the government has this database somewhere yeah. of so-called people that are of interest in regards to this whole terrorism. Right, and Absolutely. when they're on the list, they can't get on a plane, right? Oh, yeah. I, they, I believe yeah. that's one of the things that's extracted. There's the no-fly There's the no fly list, that's what you're talking about, which they're extracting from this terrorism watch exactly. list. Exactly. It's the, it's the, they're all, it's... Uh, so this it's, is the big database. Exactly. This is, this is called the, this is called TIE, the Terrorist Identities Data Mart Environment. And, uh, Welcome to according, Data Yeah, according to Karen <laughs> DeYoung... There will be specials on all terrorist watch lists. Exactly. According to Karen DeYoung, didn't she used to sing for sticks? I don't remember. But anyway, of the Washington Post, uh, also republished in the Boston Globule... Uh, it, uh, it is the list of us is a storehouse of data about individuals who, she writes, just to bring up her improper grammar, who the intelligence community <laughs> believes might harm the United States, rather than whom. Uh, anyway, the Tide is the wellspring for watch lists distributed to airlines, law enforcement, border posts, and U.S. consulates. And here's the gist of it. In assessing one problem, Tide has created others, ballooning from fewer than 100,000 files in 2003 to about 435,000 today. Wow. The growing database threatens to overwhelm the people who manage it. Wow, what a shock. Then continuing, it says, Tide has also created concerns about secrecy, errors, and privacy. The list marks the first time foreigners and U.S. citizens are combined in an intelligence database. The bar for inclusion is low, and once a person is on the list, it is virtually impossible yep. to get off. It says here in 2004 and 2005, misidentifications accounted for about half of the tens of thousands of times a traveler's name triggered a watch list hit, according to the GAO. Congressional committees have criticized so the So one process. in two chance. One in two chance. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this is fascinating. This ties in with something we were talking about earlier. I mean, the whole reason this happens is because the federal government has taken over the airwaves. And it started in 1925 when they used the, the lighted air routes for the U.S. Postal Service. Mm -hmm. And from there... FDR started handing out money to build airports and, he, you know, special favors, mm -hmm. special favors to people. And from that point on, they became the organization that started to manage things. It wasn't done for, for travel uh, until the federal government got involved. It was done privately. Now, and there was a great point about uh, Virgin Airways in America. We'll come back with more on yeah. the watch list, this terrorism database with over 400,000 names on it. That's, uh, what a, is that Wyoming, uh, Montana? One of those <laughs> Great states, point. Like the entire state, yeah. uh, one of the smaller states. The population of uh, one of the least popular states. 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet, 8.net toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. 1-800. Say that again, Mark. And Mark. Okay, 1-800-259-9231. You take control. Bring up anything. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system awaits you. Lots of fun to be had. There are serious issues being discussed as well. Over 200,000 posts. Over 1,500 people interacting. It's happening right now, and it's free, of course. Go to bbs.freetalklive.com to get interactive. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. You know, I was, on, uh, I was just poking around on some other radio station websites today. Not radio station websites, but radio show websites. There's, a, there's another radio show out there with a female Rush Limbaugh. Uh, Laura Ingram yes, is who it is. Yes. And uh, I was just on her website just, to look, just looking around. Just, you got to see what the competition's up to. Not that I expected anything different. Um, and uh, she's got a message board. I thought, well, I wonder how many there members she has. Yeah. I couldn't find out. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because it's behind a, a login um, that you have to pay to get access yeah. to. Yeah, to so, yeah, there's no way to tell. So Maybe. they may very well have bigger sites than us. We have the largest free site. Correct. There you go. Hey, by the way, guys, i got to mention um, just a little personal story. I was actually almost set up to uh, to go out with Laura Ingram. Oh, my. By like, one of her old producers. In a dating situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Her old producer, Kevin, uh, I called in. It was actually kind of a funny thing. She was, uh, and she's, you know, very pretty. And uh, so uh, she was, she, they were doing some dating. For a fascist. Thing. Yeah, well, yeah, I've I've become uh, very frustrated with her on a number of issues. and, and uh, But they were doing a dating game thing with uh, some guys who were in People Magazine. as like eligible bachelors or something. Okay. So she was interviewing these guys. And asking them questions about grammar and the Constitution and politics and Barbara mm-hmm. Streisand and stuff. And it was pretty funny. So I called uh, towards the uh, top of the hour. And I said, uh, and they were taking opinions of, of uh, the listeners. So I said, Laura, listen, the search has got to continue. Mm-hmm. And she's like, really? Why? And I said, listen, Laura, wouldn't it be, let me see if I can commiserate with you. Wouldn't it be nice if you could go out with somebody who understood the original intent of the Interstate Commerce Clause? And she's like, Yeah. And I said, and wouldn't it be nice if you could go out with somebody uh, when you wanted to hear the latest from U2 or some less, you know, less popular band? They didn't want to hear the latest from Celine Dion or, you know, Dion Warwick. She goes, yeah. And I said, and she started ringing some bell. Somebody was ringing a bell. Right. Okay. This is yeah. this is a winner. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> and and uh, so I said, and I said, and wouldn't it be funny? Uh, and wouldn't it be nice if you could go out with someone who didn't measure, uh, find the measure of their compassion in uh, the individual for whom they voted to take money away from their neighbor? And she said, Yeah, who is this guy? Get his number. Mm. And I thought she was kidding around. So her producer Kevin comes back on. And he goes, Yeah, guard. It's coming to the top of the hour. He goes, right. She wants your number. So really, so it's I gave so him my weird. phone number. What are, what, are, what are they doing on this show? They're prostituting their host. It I mean, was what really. The hell? It was kind of cool though. It was so well. Kevin and I stayed in touch, and I would call up, and sometimes I wouldn't be able to go as guard because it was such a distinctive name. I would mm-hmm. go. I actually would use Ian a lot. It was huh. pretty funny. What a coincidence! I would use Ian or Steve or whatever. And uh, so finally, I was going to be going down for this event with the Institute for Humane Studies in 2001. And he said, oh, I called him up, and I was like, oh, I'm going down. He goes, oh, guard, you should stop by the studio. No, we'll, we'll get you set up to meet. You can meet Laura. We'll go out for drinks or something like that. I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. Uh, but I, I was late, and I had to go to my event, and I, I missed it. So it never worked so out. So it never worked out. But uh, that's that's my little Laura Ingram story. 800-259-9231. You bring up whatever's on your mind. Let's continue the uh, the yeah. story yeah, on yeah. this terrorism, terrorism database. database. What's it called again? What's the acronym? Uh, it, is, it is called TIDE, Tide for Terrorist... 
Uh, Dateline Washington. Tied mm-hmm. for terrorist identities, Data Mart environment. Let's go to the newsreel footage. <laughs> Tied has also created concerns about secrecy, errors, and privacy. <laughs> oh, what what else awesome. is going on with this? All right. Uh, so the deal on this thing is they've got these 100,000. Uh, it started as 100,000 back in 2003 who were on Tide. It's the information that is sent out to law enforcement, border posts, airlines, things like that. Right. Now it's at 435,000. And... Of all people, Ted Bridge to Nowhere Stevens, the senator from Alaska, is complaining about this now. Mm. Now, this is a guy who has supported this entire paradigm. He's Mr. National Security along with Jim Sensenbrenner, and he complained last year that his wife had been delayed repeatedly while airlines queried whether Catherine Stevens was the watch-listed Cat Stevens. <laughs> As in the singer. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now this is this is the same Ted Stevens, by the way, who is interested in making sure that we monitor the internet, that the government monitors the internet, and he doesn't even call it the internet. He thinks it's a series of tubes. Mm-hmm. Right. And he doesn't call emails emails, he calls them internets. Yeah. Yeah, he's all lost. Poor so, guy. So there you go. And and you know what's amazing is he's probably senile. Go, go easy on him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but the amazing thing is in this article by, by Karen DeYoung of the, of the Washington Post is nobody addresses how you you think you're being protected by the government. And you're not, as your first story in the beginning of the program showed, mm-hmm. John Stossel's story. It's an illusion. Yeah, based on that, that, that new book, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Overblown. Mm-hmm. And they, they, it's bogus. We're not being helped in any way. And if we had a private paradigm, we'd be even more secure. Sure. And we'd have cheaper rates, and it would function more efficiently. What is the uh, the article? I mean, I see it. It's yeah. outlining Ted Stevens, and he had a problem with it, and it's pointing out how the the database is growing. Is there a a, a general point that the uh, the author is trying to make, or is just like, hey, this is bad? No, essentially, is is? essentially, this is one of these one of these stories that isn't really time sensitive right now. They're talking about it, but apparently, they're not going to do anything. Uh, here's here's what uh, one person said here. Uh, it says, what's the alternative? I work under the assumption that we're never going to have perfect information, fingerprints, DNA, or six billion on six billion people across the planet. If someone actually has a better idea, I'm all ears. I do. Uh, and, and my idea is what you're suggesting, Gardner. Leave it up to the marketplace to decide what sort of security parameters need to be, uh, need to be in place. Right. For instance, if you go back and you look at the, uh, the Washington snipers from a few years ago, you remember those two guys? Sure, yeah. Uh, Malvo were, and I uh, can't remember the other Whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the police were just completely useless as far as catching these guys. Of course, yeah. they were caught by the tip of, an, of a regular person who happened to see them. It wasn't the cops that caught them. Right. Um, and what was very interesting and instructive about this was how the marketplace responded to the threat. There's, there are people shooting at you when you go to get gas. Yeah. So what happened? There was at least one example, and I think it spread from here, but there was at least one example of a gas station that uh, installed some sort of roll-down coverage uh, on their, their overhang. Oh, you know cool. the overhang that goes yeah. above all the, the, the pumps? There's some sort of opaque-ish kind of rolling down cover right. that people could drive underneath to where it would anybody stop who's on the outside, 
I don't know if it would stop bullets, but it was obscuring see oh, I the, see. the vision. So, so you right. couldn't possibly actually hit somebody if right. you were on the outside trying to shoot in. Well, and even so, a sniper bullet probably isn't isn't going to go through something that's hanging there just because it, it it's going to throw off that. the bullet. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. I, 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 it's going to go through point, it. I'm sorry. It's going to go through being, it, but it's not going to probably not hit its target. My point being mm-hmm. that within, I mean, this didn't this whole debacle didn't last for a long, long time. Within a very short period of time. Some greedy, greedy gas station operator in search of a profit decided that he was going to protect his customers. And what do you think happened? If you had two gas stations to choose from, the one with the opaque covering or the one that's wide open, which one would you choose? So the market responds in these ways. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up anything. That toll-free number, 800-259-9231. We like to call that the Packet8.net toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. Gardner as well. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, including the shrine of female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and proof that they listen to the show. See what I mean by going to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine. .freetalklive.com, and yes, we've yet to really address it, and we will within the next coming weeks on the show, but tax season is upon us. Mm. And don't you wish you'd known more about finances when growing up? A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 800-657-5066. And uh, as uh, we're going to get back into the authority terrorism thing here, but let's go to Liam in Indianapolis. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gard and Mark. Hello, Liam. How's it going? Great. All What's right. Mind? Cool. Uh, well, the reason I called tonight, it's uh, I, uh, I'm a downsized dispatcher or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, I got a letter back from my senator, Dick Luger, and I just wanted to read you guys a few excerpts that are pretty funny. Okay. Right. What was the uh, issue, first of all? It was a real ID. Got it. Hey, by the and, way, uh, don't you think he looks a lot like an old Humpty Dumpty? <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought that. I'm sorry to distract. How do you know who the representative from Indianapolis well, looks he's, like? Well, he's just, I don't know, I just <laughs> I watch a lot. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yes. Uh, well, he starts out by basically being like, thanks for telling me, you know, what you think, but I don't really care. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, That's what they're all like, dude. The whole, yeah, the whole letter is basically like that. But, um... There's a few good things he's like, you know, he talks about how he, you know, the national ID card has been discussed a bunch, and they think it's a good idea so they can stop immigration and illegal immigration and fraud and stuff, and then... That'll stop it. it. And then also it goes, it goes, and besides, if states do not make the necessary changements or changes, their documents will not be able to be used for federal identification purposes, and the state will lose federal grant dollars. Oh, yes. The extortion comes through. Yeah, exactly. Well, it gets better. There's another one here that I thought was pretty good. Um, it skips down. He just says, I don't really care. 
Uh, you know, also, I believe the privacy is a fundamental right that must be carefully protected and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, but there must be a balance between the individual right to privacy and the collective need for an efficient government that can ensure Ooh, that it properly identifies wow. individuals. Whoa, can wow. you read that one more time? I was being too, yeah. I was way too disgusted by the very beginning of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll clean up uh, the bile on the desk. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> there must be a balance between the individual right to privacy and the collective need for an efficient government that can ensure that it properly identifies individuals. Oh, wow. Hmm. Wow, dude, <laughs> you're, you're I've right. I've never heard it that blatant. You yeah, know? Collective it just comes need. out and says it. Was it was, you know, did it have at the bottom that that letter was written by Rousseau, or is mm-hmm. that... Uh... <laughs> No, it's, he signed it, so I mean, oh. I'm assuming that you know one of his little scribes or whatever did it. <laughs> wow, disgusting, man. So yeah. they've gotten these signing machines better and better. If you take a real good look at it, are you sure he signed it? Oh, he didn't sign it. No, I, okay. you can tell. Yeah, okay. you can tell. <laughs> and, and you know, isn't it isn't it amazing the way um, so many people, both Democrats and Republicans, yeah, is this guy a Democrat or Republican? He's a Republican. I mean, who can tell? He's a Republican. Yeah, yeah. Right. And he's and he's considered typically to be you know sort of the old line conservative Republican, you know, but he's not. He's not he's, at all. He's a statist. No. And, and and it's fascinating collectivist too. Collectivist authoritarian. Yeah, obviously a collectivist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, clearly. It's, I can't even believe somebody would use that term, but you know what, know what gets me? What gets me about this is, you know, there are all these issues where, uh, for example, in the state of New Hampshire, uh, the governor was a little worried about real ID, mostly because of the price tag. And yeah. I often hear these people saying, we're against unfunded mandates yeah. and stuff like that. Exactly. They're not against mandates. They're just against unfunded right. mandates. Give us some money. Yeah, yeah like the teachers' yeah, yeah, unions. Yeah, yeah, it's it, you know all the teachers unions hate uh, no child left behind because it's an unfunded mandate. If it was a funded mandate, they'd be able to get more of their pinhead NEA union members, and that's not all of all of the uh, members, but a lot of them are to join in and get more money. They could have more people on the dole. Oh yeah, and then I don't. What's the point of having a teachers union anyway in in the government? I mean, uh, they're basically saying you know. If we we're not going to teach your kids, and you can't force us to come back. Right. Well, it makes them more effective at lobbying for more um, pay increases. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Liam, thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. Great call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Great, and that it was disgusting (laughs) reading. (laughs) It's Uh, like watching a horror movie. You know, I love the uh, I love the word play that the guy used. I mean, essentially saying that yes, uh, privacy is very important and needs to be safeguarded. But you know, whenever that need word to weigh comes that in there, with the collective, right. the collective needs for security. So whenever that word "but" comes in there, yeah. that whole statement before "but" has just been completely wiped right. out. Perfect, right. Perfect uh, analysis. Uh, I understand what your concerns are, but <laughs> right. So what? <laughs> They're Screw irrelevant you. to me. <laughs> Screw exactly. your concerns. I'm a collectivist, statist, authoritarian, mm. and what I say goes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't like it, you can go to jail. Those yeah. Are well, your that's what I've experienced recently. I said I would touch on this, and I want to get. I'll get into it here. Uh, I called some representatives here in New Hampshire today for the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. NHLiberty.org is yeah. their website. Um, they're supporting a variety of different bills, but in this particular case, the call was about a medical marijuana bill that the House is going to vote on this week, apparently. And so my purpose in calling, when I call these guys, I called all my local guys, and then they gave me some extra ones from around the state to mm-hmm. call that aren't, aren't local to me. Um, my purpose in calling is to simply find out how they feel about the issue. And 
just some of the responses I got from these people who they aren't even real professional legislators no. in that they aren't getting paid the the the, right. uh, the amounts that 200 bucks a, mo- a year is yeah. what their salary is. Right. right so right. despite the fact that, you know, they're a little bit better off as far as they're they're less likely to be as authoritarian as some others, they're still many of them authoritarian to the core. Yeah. And uh, the, the first guy I talked to who actually is a local representative is a guy by the name of Delmar Burridge. Now, anybody who's listened to this show for the last six months knows, uh, has probably heard his name, because our guy Toby, who we have on Tuesday nights, yeah. um, sent Delmar an email a, a couple months ago about the, uh, the, the, the legislation that was set to decriminalize marijuana entirely. And Delmar wrote back, and this made news internationally, I think. At least it, it hit a bunch of blogs. Mm. And Delmar wrote back and essentially said, you know what, um, I'm forwarding this to the local police department. Uh, yeah, I heard about that. And, yeah. uh, and, and you should really consider becoming a snitch and rat out your friends. That's what this scumbag, Delmar Burridge, wrote back to our guy, Toby. Amazing. And so I got this guy on the phone to ask him how he felt about uh, medical marijuana. Of course, he uh, he was very dodgy. He was uh, the slimiest of all the, the representatives that I spoke with. Yeah. And it's appropriate because he's been a professional bureaucrat for his entire life. Mm. Oh, he's worked for the government. That's what he does. Yeah. Of course. And um, so he was very slimy. He wouldn't answer my question. He'd say, well, I haven't actually read the bill. And, of course, they're going to yeah. vote on it in two days. So, and the amazing thing is... Regardless of whether he he has read the bill, you can ask him on principle, and you probably did. How do you feel about that? Right. And and they'll say again, well, I haven't read the bill. It took me they three go in circles. Times. Right. It took yeah. me three times. That's exactly what I did. Right. He dodged the question when I asked him about the issue, and I said, well, no, don't worry about what the bill says on the issue of medical marijuana. How do you feel about this? Right. And I finally managed to squeeze an answer out of this scum bucket, and he said, uh, well, I'm against it. And so that I didn't really get into it with him as to why he was against it. I just went and outed him on freekeen.com. Yeah. Um, but then I called some of these other guys, and one guy was against it because of the federal government, and the federal government has laws against this. And yeah. and you know what? Uh, as Mark pointed out, there have been over 11 states that have decided to say, "Screw you to the federal government. We're going to pass this this law anyway because it's the right thing to do." And I asked one of the other the guys. The federal government doesn't have any any role, any any uh, constitutional uh, leg to stand on to tell the states whether or not they can have. Uh, marijuana be legal or not? Absolutely. I asked one of the other guys who was also against medical marijuana. I said, "Well, why? I mean, are you telling me that you support? Do I understand you correctly to say that you support throwing sick people in jail for just trying to help themselves feel better?" Incredible. And he says, "Well, you know, if they uh, if they break the law, then that's what they should get." And uh, you know, just absolutely no thought, no no compassion, not even analyzing, no care whatsoever for their fellow man. Amazing. All these people care about is the law. Yep. The, law the law is God. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. In the final moments, still enough time for your call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 
The Packet 8.net toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. Uh, we do ask you voluntarily support the show by buying some cool Free Talk Live garb, like uh, Free Talk Live t-shirts and hats. Uh, we've also got the Free Marketeer flag, the classic archive DVD collector wow. sets. They're all there for you. And free bumper stickers. You can find out how you can get one of those for free at store.freetalklive.com. All the details there, store dot freetalklive.com and the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty, as well as tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own. I got to say, I'd take the bus tour because the Free State Project people are cool to hang out with and a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah. But you can certainly go out on your own. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot Talking about this idea that uh, these people who are sort of in they're in government, they're uh, a lot of them are Republicans, but I'm sure many Democrats have the same yeah. sort of uh, mentality. Yeah. The mentality is that the law it's is the right. Law. If it is the law, it is right. Well, wait a second. I was at uh, church yesterday. I went to. Uh, Were you? Yeah, yeah. I went to. The, I've gone to church the last two weeks. And, what church? Um, Unitarian. Unitarian Universalist. Okay. Uh, and you know, basically, what it is is a, it's a hive of Democrats. Oh I, yeah, I, I've like found oh, yeah. a hive. Of Democrats. <laughs> you you hit it in New Hampshire big time. That's now, there were the Unitarians. And are. you know, they, they were talking in in church afterwards about the whole uh, eminent domain thing here mm-hmm. in town, and 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 one lady's like, I saw somebody's picture in the paper with a sign that says eminent domain equals stealing, and, and that was you. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And, <laughs> oh. and she's like, well, it's it's not stealing, and and you know, we sort of Ooh. went back and forth a little bit, and uh, basically. Basically, her, she ran to the Constitution. She's like, well, even the Founding Fathers said that uh, eminent domain yeah, was okay. and they made a mistake. And I, and I said, well, yes, ma'am, I would uh, agree with you that, in fact, the Founding Fathers did um, codify stealing in the Constitution. But it's as long okay. as we are both clear that taking something that isn't yours without somebody's permission is stealing. And, like, that's what my mom taught me. What did she say to that? Well, she turned oh. around. Actually, she turned around. She, she got away from me. Um, yeah. You know, somebody came yeah. up and she oh, got away. Oh, my, yeah, uh, my belief system is being threatened. I'll find something right. else to well, do. It, it's because the the property was being taken away from a Republican. Now, if it was a Democrat, um, a big you know somebody who had formerly a former sure. senator Democrat, that their property was That'd being be an taken away. Little twist. Oh my God! Oh, then it would be, be big business, out. and everybody right. hates big business. I'll and tell again, you what the big business see, is, time, is it's it's the um it, it it's the civil engineering company that's going to make all this money. Hey, and, but I was going to say that ties into that whole thing that that you know people can't distinguish between capitalism and mercantilism. Mm-hmm. They think, oh, the capitalists are out to get it. It's like, no, no, no. They they would have to compete in a market for people to voluntarily sell their land if government wasn't there to put a gun to their head as the final final role of the whole thing and take their property away from them. You know, um, we mentioned DiLorenzo before mm-hmm. in his book, How Capitalism Saved America. He's got a great example of a transcontinental railroad that was built privately. And the 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 government transcontinental railroads there were there were a couple lines that they yes. finally get done none of them none of them operated at a profit we actually um, went into that I don't know if it was a Lorenzo written article but there was a great article about that uh, about the entrepreneur who was behind the yeah. private one yeah and yeah. he has been um, just. Vit, just uh, attacked yeah, in yeah, history as, uh, as one of the the uh, the, 
the, oh, yeah, uh, Robert, Robert Barons, Barons yeah, right, which is just completely yeah. false. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, so it's just amazing. But, but, so but back yeah. to this this obsession that people have that the idea that law is right if it is in law it must be right. No, doesn't matter. Matters not what uh, what happens to the individuals involved. Like in the case of medical marijuana, you've got an AIDS patient, cancer patient, MS patient, glaucoma patient. There are other ones as well sure. that use marijuana for medicinal purposes. It's a fact that they do it, yeah. um, and they're they're helping themselves feel better, in many cases helping themselves keep medicine down. I could go down the laundry list of ways that marijuana has been found in scientific studies to help people out. Mm-hmm. The fact is, it's all discounted by these people. They right. don't even, it like, it does. It just sort of just bounces off. It's as though they have this shield up, and mm-hmm. it doesn't care. They don't care. They can't imagine for a moment that their grandmother might uh, come down with some sort of affliction, or their brother, or their, you know, their son yeah. might come let's, down with something. Let's, let's draw it out to, to, the, to the absurd degree. Let's say that somebody is just frustrated. And they get they like to blow off steam by listening to really loud music. Mm-hmm. They listen to music so loud it's going to damage their hearing. Yeah. And these guys say, "Well, that's not right. That's can't bad. do that. That's not good." And, right. And that music gets people, other people listening to it, and they're spreading it around and sharing it, and yep. it's a it's a gateway song. It's or, filthy music. Yeah, whatever. And and so they pass a law: you can't listen to this in these clubs and get together. Right. You can't pass this CD on to a friend. It's the same sort of thing. It's it's individual initiative. It's a it's a it's a it's a consensual crime. You're not yep. hurting anybody. And loud no music. Leads to slam dancing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or as my friend Mick has, punk is not a crime. You well, know? one of these guys, these uh, representatives that I called on the marijuana issue, says uh, says to me, "Well, he's concerned with medical marijuana because then anybody can just go to a doctor and claim they've got an affliction, and they'll be able to." He was worried that a bunch of people would go and smoke marijuana. And I said, just to let you know, uh, one out of every ten or one out of every eleven New Hampshire people, uh, citizens admits to smoking marijuana today. So what difference does it make about your silly <laughs> prescription? Well, he says, well, we don't want to have burden law enforcement. This will be a tough time for law enforcement. I said, sir, why don't we focus, have law enforcement focus on murderers and rapists instead? Absolutely. And it's just they don't even understand this. It, in their minds, marijuana has been against the law, so therefore it should stay against the law. We shouldn't change the laws. And the you laws know, are wonderful. You know what's amazing is one, as, as government starts to encroach into other areas of our lives because they need more money, for example, increasing taxes on cigarettes, or in the case of New Hampshire, a woman proposed a bill to tax cancer. Candy bars because uh, they were up bad you on for this. people. Delmar Burridge, the guy I was just talking Delmar. about, he introduced a bill to take all cigarette sales and move them up the age to 21 and move them into the government-run liquor stores. Right. <laughs> oh man. That way, um, yeah, essentially, oh, yeah, wow. everybody'd have to be 21 to smoke. God knows. Delmar Burridge, man, it sounds like something you'd learn in history class from one of one of the worst guys in American history. Remember Delmar Burridge? Yeah. Um, but you know, it's amazing because government starts to ratchet things up. When I was in Canada, and I lived in Canada for a while, working in a TV show out in uh, Vancouver, uh, I would hear reports about the Royal Canadian Mounted Police making these busts, but they weren't drug busts, they were cigarette busts. They (laughs) were black market cigarettes because Mm -hmm. they had such high taxes on the cigarettes, people were rolling cigarettes or bringing them in under the table. It's happening now in Texas. And they make criminals out of cigarette smokers. Texas, there was an article about at the beginning of this year, Texas has increased its cigarette tax by 340%. (laughs) 
they had like a 41 cent tax and yeah, now it's a dollar yeah. 41. Yeah. So they added an entire dollar onto their cigarette pack tax. Uh, so as a result, people are going outside of Texas to get their uh, their cigarettes. And they're bringing them in. Yeah. In many cases, they're smuggling them in past uh, cigarette points that se- checkpoints they've set up to collect taxes on people coming back in with cigarettes. Yeah. Um, there, there's this whole uh, enforcement know, bureaucracy you know, Ian, that's been created. Just as a practical matter, I ought to mention the number one driving factor behind those taxes in Texas, where they have what are called Robin Hood laws. They take money from one town and send it to another lot. A real mm-hmm. black mark against Robin Hood, who was a tax protester, not right. a redistributionist. Hmm. Um, the reason that all these taxes go up so much is because the state gets involved in education. Texas had a lawsuit, just like New Hampshire has had a lawsuit, and we're going to be dealing with it in the New Hampshire legislature tomorrow. They are going to be trying to pass, and probably will pass for the first time in our state's history, a legislative bill that defines what an adequate education is in the state of New Hampshire. Whatever that means. Yes, whatever that means, the impossible. Objectively defining what is adequate it's so education. Because it's, it's pro- propagating the concept right. that all children are the same. And if we have this government adequate education and you just plug your children into it, then they'll be fine. They'll right. be educated, which, of course, ignores individuality, and it's an, it. it's an insult. And i got to tell you, for, for people outside New Hampshire, I want this to have pertinence for you. This has happened in 45 states around the country. And what they've done is the, the teachers' unions and special interests in the administrative sector bring suit inside the states claiming that there is a codified right to an education, a positive right to an education in your state constitution. And they did it in Texas. Texas started these new taxes. They brought up the cigarette tax dramatically. And I bet you anything, if anybody's listening to us who knows anything about Texas, the reason they raised those taxes was because they have such a high tax burden now because they have centralized decision-making on education and they're defining an adequate education as being eight, nine, ten thousand dollars $10,000 a student and they have to get money from someplace. You know, it's hard to imagine the taxes going up here even further because right now education is the big chunk. That's really yeah. the trick though, Ian. That's what they want. They're not going to raise um, property taxes. They can't raise them anymore here. People will go nuts. Yeah, and it's the decentralized town to town. They can they can lobby in a central spot in your state capital. Well, I don't know about easier. you guys, but I ain't paying. Uh, it's been Ian here with you. Uh, and Gard. And Mark. And Gardner, hoping to have you back maybe it? next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah you meantime, don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Join us online uh-huh. at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 